Hey boomers, welcome to a very special episode of Sonic the Comic the Podcast, Yay! your online Sega stational guide to the world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. Perfect. We are your humans who think we're in charge. I am Chris McFeely. I am Dave Bulmer and we have a third today. Who on earth are you? Hi, I'm Tom Campbell from off of Cultaholic and a history of Sonic the Hedgehog. Which is a yes. podcast what I did that time. A very special guest for a very special episode. Yes! We went on that one, which is why we... I think it was that day, wasn't it? Yes, that we it went, was. Wait a minute. <laughs> We've got a special episode coming up, but we can do a crossover. So this is our special crossover. Why is this a special one? What's special about this, Chris? Dave, this is the 50th issue of this stupid thing. Get lost, is it? Have we done 50 episodes plus bonuses? Plus bonuses, Yeah. <laughs> Wow, yeah, 50! That's a lot of issues, and they are celebrating that in style. The cover of this one is just a big, golden Sonic statue. Like, not statue, like a like an award. What do I mean? What's the word? A it's trophy. An, a, a trophy. It's the Sonic trophy celebrating 50 cool issues. Which is very arrogant, if you ask me. I thought some were cool. I don't think they're all. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're just looking at the scans on this one, you won't realise that this was that great 90s fad. This was the fifth ink metallic foil. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. They last did that in issue uh, 16, didn't they? The Christmas issue where they had the silver foil background. Yeah, that's right. And in this case, we've got a... Uh, it's all gold. Yeah, we've got... Uh, the statue itself is essentially coloured all over in a light yellow but then with this spray paint looking I didn't know that they could do that with the gold paint but apparently they can because it fades in and out of the non-gold ink very good stuff apparently so yeah everything that's dark if you look at this on the scans anything that's darker is an actual reflective gold paint such as the eyes and in fact looking at this copy here the I'm, I'm currently holding my hands my wife abby's copy she theorizes that she used to read this in the bath a lot and it got all steamed up because it's uh, it's a little bit crisp and um the paint has started to come off his eyes and you can see little patches of the light yellow just underneath so, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, fair play to Abby for having covers because, like, <laughs> so underneath my bed, I've got a massive collection of Sonic the Comics Ooh. that I've kept. But the problem is, I don't look after things, oh, people. Man. I probably have four of them that have a cover on. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and, and if some of them have got the first page of the first story, then we're doing all right. Tom. They are not collector's items in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. What I think, you... Dave, if I was to show you my Sonic the Comic collection, I think you'd boot me off this immediately. I probably would. The, the massive disrespect shown to I probably comic. would you'll have to sh- yeah show me that at the end and not before what were you <laughs> doing what were you doing with them that causes that <laughs> Uh, I'm reading them a lot. I read, I read them a lot. Them a lot. <laughs> but then I, I don't know whether I've just got fat sausagey hands that just break them easily. Fat sausagey hands that break my comics. Carry on. That's that's the truth. It's <laughs> the truth though. But what you said there about reading them in the bath, I pretty sure i read them in the bath a lot mm. and that does cause a lot of a lot Ooh. of wear down but i think that i just wasn't i never saw them as something to keep mint and that yeah. sounds really mm. bad no, no i just no. saw them as, i like this comic i'm gonna read it i'm gonna cons- no, consume it you shouldn't when and- you're a child you a when you're a child you should never try and keep anything mint because that means you're not using it Two, when you're an adult, same. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would never have read them in the bath, but uh, I do have fat sausagey hands. And the (laughs) the covers could well... Sometimes the covers were off them before the first day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've talked about that in in the past. Well, I think I learned early because my issue one cover came off and none of the following covers did. So I think I must have, after that, been a bit more careful with them. You knew how to conduct yourself. 
Mm, yeah, I, the eternal frustration is that I had two copies of the comic and I gave one away to a friend in... in now, but, but my memory is that I gave him the mint condition one or like, yeah. not, you know what I mean? The better condition one. I bet, actually, I didn't. I bet I gave him the one with the cover off. I should check whether my cover's <laughs> on or not. I bet it's That's fine. That's right, because you never did have your issue one out back That's when right. we started recording with issue one. You didn't have it. You haven't examined it. Exactly. It remains mm. in the box. Yeah. So is it like in a sealed unit? So you never read it in damage? No, it's just there. No, what I've got, I've got a wooden box that I built in woodwork class when I was 12 and they made us come up with a project to do. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. So I made a box for my STCs. And it's not it's not measured to be the right size. It's way too big. I put my whole Sonic collection in it. It's basically still in there. And I could fit my whole body in and close the lid when I was 12, <laughs> when I built it. I would amuse friends by popping out of it. And um, it's got them all in. But, they're, but I've made no attempt to preserve them. They're stood up. And what I have done as well is I put them... Um, alternately upside down and right side up so that yeah. they don't all bend in a single direction so yeah, they keep so themselves the balance yeah. Out. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, uh, so they're probably in quite good nick uh, they seem to be they seem to be in in good nick whereas Abby's is a bad nick hey. <laughs> yep. Bang. Yep. I mean this is pretty good if you got this on eBay you'd be happy well, Catch Gold Fever, the cover tells us, because it's STC's 50th glittering issue. And you know what a special issue means in a UK comic? It means it's time for a free gift! Free gift! <laughs> yes! <laughs> and this, I think, was the thing that sealed in my memory mm. STC's inescapable love affair with the asterisk. Ah! Uh. <laughs> because it says on the cover, free STC GAS asterisk tattoos, and then Scarcely a centimetre below the asterisk <laughs> is the footnote that the asterisk refers to, which explains that GAS stands for gold and silver. Yes. Because I couldn't understand whether this was a phrase that was... Co- I don't remember, like, people abbreviating gold and silver no. to gas. No. Whether this was STC just maybe trying to make it happen akin to fetch in Mean <laughs> Girls. Let's try and make gas happen. I just didn't understand why you just did either just didn't put free gold and silver tattoos or just free tattoos. I know. Like, the effort, the extra effort to come up with an acronym that you have to immediately <laughs> explain afterwards. Yeah. They set it up an issue or two ago, didn't they? They they told us there'd be it's a gas as if they oh were they did to some kind of oh they they did now we do have an image of the tattoos so so yes. let's describe them yes we don't have the tattoos because of course Sadly. we all took them off and promptly used them but yeah it's I a, had one on my arm I can tell you that much for a fact so, <laughs> coolest kid ever for the day that it lasts and then it gets all cracks through it no that's a waste you got to put it on your furniture like me. <laughs> Not designed to go on furniture, you understand. No, it was a lot of hard work. I had to wet it. I had to... That was it! I, oh, I've just remembered! I, so what I used to do is I would cut them out, press them on, and then with a little sponge, I would just sponge it on until it sort of made yes, contact. Yes, that's how you apply tattoos, Div. That's how you apply tattoos. Yeah, I'm thinking of... The, transfers. But, I'm thinking of transfers. rub them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm confusing transfers and tattoos. They're similar. Well, it sounds like Little Dave did this well. So. Yeah, they're not quite the same, are they? Yeah, okay, let's cut all that out of the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 I think we should content. keep it, because I think we should open a tattoo parlour, which is just the transfer. It's a temporary tattoo parlour. <laughs> yeah, or just or cut out the transfers altogether and just wash people. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Come on, we've had a year of no physical contact. Wouldn't you wouldn't you all go for a little gentle sponge down right about now? Oh mate, every day. Yeah. 
It'll cost you £1.15. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your own sponge. So we've seen most of these images on the transfers before. Um, yes. They are just, they're just two-tone gold and silver versions of uh, that one Adventures of Sonic Tails pose with the yeah. hand out. Sonic with the arms and the foot up ready to race. Yeah. The winking Sonic. Yes, the ubiquitous winking Sonic. I don't know if we've seen the two Knuckles ones before. No, I don't. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before, I can't tell you, but I can tell you that the top right Knuckles, which is like aiming one fist at us. Yeah, throwing a punch. A, there is a colour sticker or transfer of that because I had that on the bed as well. Whether it came before this or not, mm. I don't know. And then there's a very odd looking one it's a gliding knuckles mm. and he's coming head on mm. and he's so it's like he's been run over or squished he's been or flattened, he's so he? flat yeah yeah obviously not as fast as Sonic lying down and getting a transfer tattoo slash sponge back yes. in 2021. Yeah, it's the fact that his spines are splayed out with the glide, but they're just, to mm. us, going to either side. He just looks so flat. He looks like a little lump. Yeah. Uh, but these are all stock images, though, in the thing. And then the sixth one is a, a Roberto Corona drawing of Amy that we've seen before. Yeah, I was going to say there's a Corona one in there. It was from the Christmas issue when she got her own strip. It was the image. They, they put it in the control zone, but it was also pulled out of the strip and used in the title bar of her strip as well yeah yes yeah so they've used that one a lot are we sure that the knuckles ones are just sort of copyrighted images of knuckles because they look like they might have been drawn for this like yeah they don't look like the sonic pose i recognize from many things the tails one i seem to recognize from the cartoons yes that sonic face with the wink on that seems to be like classic they Sega use that artwork. all the time in stc yeah, yeah. yeah but the knuckles ones don't look like they match like someone's gone we forgot to get a knuckles tattoo keith can you draw <laughs> <laughs> one dead quick. I certainly don't think I've seen them anywhere outside the realm of stickers and transfers on STC, put it that way. That is true, but they're not pulled from anywhere either, the no. way, which is odd because, you know, they've been able to source an Amy drawing. Then there have been loads of drawings of Knuckles yeah. they could have sourced, but didn't. Yeah, so, yeah there's, there is Knuckles stock art, and this isn't it. Yeah. But it doesn't look like a Corona. Yeah. It doesn't look like anyone we know. So it doesn't you... look like anything recognisable. Is it a Carl Flint? Hard to tell when it comes to line art with Flint, isn't it? Yeah. You need that airbrush mm. effect. Yeah. But yeah, the only other cover copy here is that we've got a bonus Sonic and Tails pinup inside. Mm. Issue number 50, cover dated the 20th of April, released on the 15th of April. Strips, reviews, and more. No little drop-down menu effect in the top right this time. Just a and if we turn the comic over, we have a new advert on the back. It's another Lego advert. There's a lot of Lego ads lately, I right? know. That's the thing. Lego has spotted this comic and they're pouring money into it. This time, though, it's for Lego Technic, which uh, I was never interested in because it was too grown up for me. Yep, same. Too real. <laughs> Look at these awful little men. Yeah, Lego Technic, though, felt very special. It, yeah. It did feel very grown up, didn't it? That was my criticism. I, you didn't get little pirates. You got big, tall men with bendable knees. and I, ooh, I feel like I'm seeing these for the first time, honestly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember these horrible little men with their little <laughs> elbows and knees. Ugh. Gears in the making for a truly techno-functionomical time. Why not join the Lego Technic Club for only 9 95 and it seems to be advertising the club, but it's also showing you pictures of cars and vehicles and things. Yeah. As I remember it, the point of Lego Technic was that it would do stuff. You'd have motors and bits would move, yeah? Right? Sounds right. Which, 
Sounds cool. I don't know why. It just it lacks the something of the character of Lego. It's not small and dumpy. It's long and it's got holes in it. <laughs> I didn't like it. It's Lego growing up with the audience, yeah. isn't it? Or like or trying to do so. When really they'll learn in years to come. Just keep doing what we're doing. Just make it's them fine. more complicated. That's how you grow it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you ever have any Lego Technic? I didn't know. Again, it was something that I, I wanted to try. Never ended up getting any myself. As much as I love the adverts, which look like you're basically building cars from scratch, the closest I ever got to it was about five years ago when it wasn't even Lego Technic, but uh, there was like a, a, a sort of Meccano style human sized robot Oof. that my good lady got me for Christmas. It was about 300 quid. I never finished it. Oof. And I feel Oof. awful for it. Well, you better I get back onto it now it. then, didn't you? Now we've yeah. reminded you. Oh, I, you know what? I've had a whole 12 months to do it and I haven't, still haven't done it. It's just. No. I'm the worst. It, every, it just, every so often it just leans through the cupboard looking at me going, Father, give me legs. <laughs> 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 Haunts yeah. me. I mean, look, there's a lot of things that I've had plenty of time over the last year to do and still think I'll eventually do. So, hey. Mm, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's crack her open then and get to the... Control Zone. It's that time of year, Megadroid says, when a young Hume's fancy turns to the UK's official Sega comic. <laughs> love it, love That's, it. That's uh, just because it's springtime now, right? That's right. That's when yeah. they say a young man's fancy turns to... What does it turn to in spring? It's Tennyson, and what it turns, it lightly turns to thoughts of love. Uh, Stop! Yeah, they fucked it up again! Oh dear, um, and arguably worse this time. <laughs> yeah, the entire control zone is a repeat from issue 49. Oh, uh, yeah. wow. And the reason why that's particularly egregious is that it's constantly advertising how great the next issue will be, and that yeah. it'll be the 50th issue and have transfers I mean, on it. <laughs> goofs happen, okay? Yeah. We've seen a repeated letters page, we've seen repeated things before, but it's a real shame that the 50th issue, <laughs> the special 50th issue what is then deprived up. of a little celebratory blurb from Megadroid. Now, I mean, um, I don't think we have to uh, imagine what would have been in it. You no, know, no. It would have been a little celebratory welcome screen from Megadroid, and then the middle bit on the page would have been instructions on how to apply your tattoos. The tattoos, yeah. And That's exactly what no doubt they would have once again repeated the what's 50 and covered in tattoos. <laughs> yeah, and they would have repeated GAS, asterisk, gold and silver. Absolutely. Or maybe they would. brackets. How will we ever know whether Jimmy White's whirlwind snooker stayed in the top 10 for the Mega Drive? <laughs> ah, now, that's a good question. I didn't check. Is this No, a... no, the charts are all... Ch it's literally the whole... Wow. Because oh, I was man. fairly sure the Sony Psygnosis Compo results was the same, mm. but the Sega charts I didn't check. Well, I never. What a load of... Ro I wonder if they got in trouble with Gallup for printing the wrong charts and misrepresenting them. I doubt it. Gallup don't care. We've already ascertained that these are significantly out of date with the, with real time anyway. What a cock up! It's a bit of an old goof. I can't... But you know what? It gives us a little time to reflect on the better things in life. Such as <laughs> asking Tom how he came to Sonic the Yay! <laughs> Uh, well, I was a Sonic fan from the age of like seven or eight. Loved the games. Had a Sega Master System. Played Sonic to death on that. And I was trying to remember this for the history of Sonic the Hedgehog podcast because I kind of tried to retell the story. I think I was on the. I think I was on the way back from visiting my nan, and me and my dad popped into the shop to buy some, probably some milk or I don't know. Hand grenades. I don't know. Probably milk. <laughs> and I remember seeing that. I think it must have been issue one, and there mm. was Sonic on the front of a comic. I was like, "What? Well, that's a that's a thing. That's exciting." And I was like, "Can I buy it? Can I buy it? Can I, I think it was was it ninety five p at that yeah. point. Ninety five p at the ninety five p. And and from there it was that was it. That was my fortnight. It was a shop up the road from where I lived, and 
uh, every every fortnight it would be a trip up there to go and get it and it and it was just something that i read cover to cover then cover to cover and then cover to cover just completely swept up in it and the it felt like a little universe unto itself because you know we're at a point now in the, the story we're going to talk about where it's very deeply into the new game yeah. mm-hmm. and there's a really warm feeling when they properly cross the streams like this when you've been playing sonic and knuckles mm. and sonic 3 and now we're getting the story that tells it. But in the Sonic, the comic way, it was really cool. But that was my first memory of it. And it was just something that I bought every fortnight from there on in. And I'm pretty sure I was there, if not until the very end, then until just before it went into reprints completely. That was how I remember first reading it and never stopped. <laughs> Any specific memories associated with this issue? This particular one, I think it was more the fact that it was Sonic 3. It was the playing out of Sonic 3 and and it was one of my favourite holy trinities of the Sonic the Comic main strips. Script mm. by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson and Ellie DeVille, who was like Alita Fell in lettering, so that's fine. <laughs> if you can't get Alita Fell, we'll have Ellie DeVille. But that for me was like the, the holy trinity when Sonic the Comic came round was those three elements. Mainly the script by Nigel and the art by Richard. Richard Elson's artwork, and I know you guys have waxed <laughs> lyrical about this <laughs> for many, many, many weeks now, but my God, for me, that is that is how Sonic the, Sonic the Hedgehog will always look, is how Richard Elson brought him to life. So yeah. for me, it was just seeing Sonic 3, it was the stuff in the Sky Sanctuary Zone. It was seeing that level that I had played and got frustratingly stuck on. And to see it brought to life by Richard Elson was just, oh, it's just just a treat. Mm. And how cool, and it's, do you know what, as well? And when I was reading it, I was like, I love the fact they've done this. They're able to not only tell their story, and we'll get to it in depth in a minute, but not only tell the, the, the overarching story of the video games, but also tie in their own universe as well in a completely logical way. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. This is amazing. I love how they weave it. And there's just a warm feeling that (laughs) we know the real story. I have a very strong memory of this issue because I got this issue when um, my family, we'd gone away. I think, I don't remember, this is the thing. I remember the comic, but I don't remember where we had gone away. Uh, Just for a weekend or a couple of days somewhere around Easter, I guess it must have been. Easter holiday. Yeah. I got the newest issue, issue 50, from a shop there, wherever that was. And oh boy, you know, we'll get to the stuff in the strip. But this was not put down the length of the time we were there. Because I I always remember we went out for a drive, as one does, you know, a drive in the country, you know. And eventually mum copped to the fact and turned around and was like, have you brought that comic with you? <laughs> Look out at nature. Look out at the trees. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'd read it all already, you know, but yeah. I'd brought it with me anyway. But that was it because we didn't have access to, when this was in its heyday, you, you, we, didn't, we didn't have Twitter. You don't have social media. You don't have access to everything. So you you overconsume yeah. whatever you've mm. got in your hand there. So yeah. like this, like it would have, with you, Chris, it would have been read so many times. There was nothing else for you to put down and pick up. It was just this. So this, so you, you would overanalyze and read and, and stare and, and appreciate and drink in every part of it. Yeah. And this was a, a story in particular that, that really warranted it. Shall we, shall we get to Let's uh, go. Oh, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Countdown to Disaster Part 2, 
Written by Nigel Kitching. Ding. Art by Richard Elson. Ding. Letters by Ellie Deville. Ding. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Sonic and Knuckles pursue the new Metallics and the stolen Master Emerald to the Sky Sanctuary Zone via teleporter. Drawing power from the Emerald, Metallics seems unbeatable, and it's only by following his lead and using the Emerald's power to turn himself into Super Sonic that our Hedgehog hero is able to defeat and destroy his robot double. Unfortunately, during the fight, Robotnik is able to teleport the Master Emerald to the Death Egg, and the disaster now looms closer than ever! I mean, right. <laughs> this is the 50th issue, right? Yeah. And without a control zone to celebrate it, mm. and with basically no other content, and this is also sort of doubling as an Easter issue yes. in regards to the content elsewhere in the thing. You don't necessarily know if Kitching intended for this story I know, to, yeah. you know, how far in advance he would have known exactly what issue number it would have been published in. If he knew he did it right and if he didn't know how delightful it is that it works out that the 50th issue of this features the return of Metal Sonic mm. which we knew about from the cliffhanger last issue and the utterly unadvertised return of Super Sonic <laughs> yes in the world of wrestling where I prime my trade away from this this is akin to a run-in from another wrestling promotion. <laughs> you join this hyped for the return of Metal Sonic and then Super Sonic rocking up as well is the last thing you expected to see. And even even though it was brief, I know you've talked at length about it, but the, the way that Sonic the Comic dealt with Super Sonic as a premise mm. is sensational. And it's something that you'd have to really think a little bit out of left field to get to. And I'm glad they did. The idea is just like this version of Sonic that clicks over and can't be stopped. And I love the fact that we got him ever so briefly here. And, and even Knuckles got to... It kind of reminds you of how out of control he is because you've got a new character to experience it. Mm. Knuckles has never met him before, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Knuckles doesn't trust Sonic as it is. So when Sonic's like, oh, I didn't mean to hit you, there's a little bit of like, uh, well... Mm, <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, I thought Knuckles was very quick to forgive. Yeah, so he was extremely <laughs> chill about it. Yeah, this this hyper... Well, I shouldn't say that. This super version mm. of Sonic is just punching him, punching him, punching him in the face. And and he just goes, ah, oh, whatever. All right, just well, let's just get on with the next yeah. thing. I get it, whatever. <laughs> so I don't know if we fully and properly explained this last issue, right. but yeah, this is the new design. This is the Metal Sonic or the Mecha Sonic mm -hmm. from the end of Sonic and Knuckles, who is the uh, the boss at the end of uh, Knuckles' playthrough. He's not in the Sonic version of the game, is he? He is in the Sonic version, but in the Sonic version, I don't think he jumps on the Master Emerald and becomes super. He's just oh, zipping no, no. around on the floor. It's weird the stuff that you remember from that because I remember when you beat Mecha Sonic in Sky Sanctuary it's one of the only times where you beat the boss and instead of the boss like exploding yes. and flying away he just hits the ground and it's that really distinctive <laughs> that <laughs> 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 yeah, we all know it. yeah ever so creepy so yeah uh, this is uh, again I feel like we should just check the list off you know of yep. uh, following on from the Sandopolis Zone last issue and the yep. Lava Reef and everything this issue we get the little teleporters from the game we go to the Sky Sanctuary we, what else do we get we, that's kind of it actually get, isn't it but <laughs> no 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 we get, we get Mechasonic turning super by sitting on the yes, Master of course. Emerald he, he gets his emerald power up like from the game depending on how you play the game 
Supersonic, this is the sort of time you might activate Supersonic when, you know, you're near the end of a big Sonic game. Certainly I would have been Supersonic a lot around here. So it just carries on, the, yeah, that, that feeling we've had from the previous run of issues, where this is truly the peak of the Game of the Comic, yeah. Comic of the Game yeah. oh, era. You know? Here's another one, and the Sky Sanctuary is crumbling around them. Yes, That's yes. in the game Once as well. Once the, the emerald is gone, the, the Sky Sanctuary starts to fall apart, as it does at the end of the level. So, Kitching definitely made it this far through. Mm, yeah. In his playthrough. Oh, he did, yeah. And we know he did, because he was videoing it to give to Richard, so that he could see what the Mecha Sonic looked like. <laughs> now, that's interesting. What Rich has done here, actually, is a little bit less one-to-one -one with the Mecha Sonic in the game than I remembered. Because what he's done is he's basically given it a classic Sonic CD Metal Sonic, Metallics' head. But a bit more helmety looking, and with a couple of extra spikes poking out the back. In mm. the game, there's it's got these got huge, the, yeah. odd spikes in all sorts of weird directions. It's very difficult to figure out physically how the spikes are arranged. Well, we did have the script last issue, didn't we, where where Kitching specified to Elson that the character should be recognizable as Metal Sonic. Yes. So he's yes. probably yeah borrowed a few like stylistic because of the uh, the curving spines mm. of the original Metallics and the uh, that's and what he's got here. Yeah, here exactly. To, just to yeah. So, well, yeah, because what we find out here now is obviously Sonic is mystified. Sonic thinks it's the same Metallics back or upgraded or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Metallics explains that, no, no, Sonic destroyed his brother. Ooh. For he uh. and the other Metallics were merely members of an elite brotherhood. Excuse me? Now, this I, I did have a question when I went in because mm. I didn't realise this was the issue where they bring up that word, brotherhood. Mm -hmm. So what happened with the last Metallics is that Sonic made it so that he was never made. This has annoyed me for 25 years. <laughs> Do not worry, I got this. The, uh, way back when I read this issue, the first time in 1995, I was like, no, he didn't kill him or destroy him. He uncreated him. So I'm not technically sure anything that follows over the next hundred issues makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, my question was more minor than that. It was simply... Does Robotnik remember Metallics? Like, is he annoyed Metallics was defeated, or does he think he never got round to making it at all? Is this his second go, or is he having the idea for the first time here? But I'm prepared to, like... That was to do with a time stone. Well, Sonic remembers that he existed, and you can excuse that because Sonic did the time traveling. Yeah. But Amy remembers that he existed. You know, she after Metallics disappeared, she knew why they were on their miracle planet and everything. See, the way that I excuse that is that we were on a miracle planet, and there was a time stone. I, I'm happy to see that as like a separate time yeah. locked off place. So if you're on Mobius, you can remember it all. But if you're on the you can affect time there. It no, it doesn't quite work, but I'm I don't mind too much, and I'm certainly determined not to let it ruin my experience of the next hundred issues. No, oh god, no, <laughs> it never did. So you're saying that the Miracle Planet is sort of its own thing. So like, if time shifts and bends on the Miracle Planet, it doesn't affect the greater stays Mobius in the Miracle Planet. Yeah, stuff. because that's where the Time Stone is. So Doctor Robotnik can just go, oh, he did that thing where he turned mm. back time and uninvented him. Whoa, yeah. well, yeah. never mind, eh? <laughs> that's as I choose to it's... read it for now. Until no, that's what you have to evidence. assume, yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, one, if the implication is that the Metallics has ever coexisted 
and it wasn't simply that the Brotherhood was then spawned off as an attempt to recreate the destroyed Metallics, yeah. then you have to assume that the one that was destroyed was merely created under unique circumstances. Uh, and we know that he was. We did discuss a year ago how yeah. the story doesn't quite convey it properly, but the idea being that the original Metallics was spawned from the technology that transformed the Miracle Planet. Yeah, it covered the whole planet, and then out of its gears and pipes emerged this shape <laughs> which is so cool i love that yeah i mean e even though we it's brilliant even though we saw him being built in a tube in a lab <laughs> yeah <laughs> good point <laughs> well oh wait, wait wait maybe he'd come out and he was all like gink 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 and the lightning was going on him and robotnik had to quickly or grimer had to quickly put him in the tube to like just get him stabilized just save a little bit of him yeah but, uh, yeah, the idea that everybody remembered him. and uh, He's supposed to be dead. Revenge for the death of my brother. And I'm like, he didn't die. He was never born. <laughs> but to which Sonic follows up in the next one. And, it, and it, it, I remember it making me laugh when I was a kid. Because it's meant to be like he's answering him but gets blown up. Mm. But the speech bubble says, you're broth. Arg! <laughs> <laughs> you blew up me broth. <laughs> you're broth. No. He was hungry when he wrote this, clearly. <laughs> There's little for us to really talk about because... It's just an action sequence. It's just an action it's sequence. It's a wicked cool action sequence. It whips yeah. ass. God, it's amazing. And it, and the way that Rich has drawn this metallic mm. is really amazing. Oh, and yeah. This is the, the scariest. Like, the, like, this genuinely looks like a powered up metallics. It's not... It's not another metal sonic or an or just a different no. looking metal sonic like this is a beefed metal sonic he been juicing this one deserves the subtitle mecha it doesn't get it in this comic but no. the design of it lives up to that concept of what mecha is compared to simply robot <laughs> <laughs> now this is going to seem like I deliberately saved this up for a reveal. Oh. I didn't. I simply hadn't checked until now. But we have the script for this one, and there's something interesting about it. I swear to God, David, it better not be, oh, one word was slightly edited, so it makes it <laughs> no. make a slightly different thing, and we talk for ten minutes about it, because this is not good radio. No. Is it your broth? Is that the bit we're yeah. going to touch on? <laughs> no, no, no. I haven't. Right. It's even more fundamental than that. There is no such thing as dialogue in this script. Oh? It's Marvel method. I was going to say, is it Marvel method? I've just cracked it open now, having not thought of it until now. It opens on Nigel explaining that this is just going to be a big fight. Oh, so there you go, then. not going to bother writing dialogue for it. Dialogue it afterwards. He just describes it. He gives it to Rich. So what we have here is, this is Richard Elson storytelling. Like, obviously, Nigel has, you know, said what the story is, but in terms of actually laying it out, what happens in what panel, Rich has basically come up with a lot of this himself and then Nigel has put dialogue onto it. Oh, he actually calls it Marvel style. He as says well. Marvel style, yeah. Wow. Uh, I suppose we should say, yeah, for those that don't know, Marvel style or the Marvel method in years past, not so much anymore, but it, it's where the writer would simply describe the general content of an issue breaking it down by page but not necessarily by panel and it made the artist an equal storyteller they would figure out how to stage and arrange and pace out the action and the dialogue and everything and then the writer would go in and dialogue the finished artwork yeah and in this case the biggest bit of fight is probably pages two and three which is this big two-page spread of fighting 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 and yeah, on, on those two pages, Nigel has really given Rich a lot of freedom. All he's really said is, 
make sure you play up Sonic super speed. The Sky Sanctuary is crumbling. Knuckles is near the Emerald. He's just set up where the items that you need are. It doesn't feel that much different to a normal Kitching Elson team up because like they no, just no. connect in a way that works really well. But the fact that we know that Rich basically took the lead in the specifics of this fight makes sense because it feels so much like a fight. Yeah, you don't need to write dialogue ahead of time for this. I'm surprised it was done this way because it's never done before this no. way. And I don't think I've ever heard of it being done again this way. But for this issue, it just makes so much sense. I've actually never seen one of these before, which is amazing. I did the whole documentary, but I've never seen the script notes that Nigel would give to Richard. So mm. I'm sort of drinking this in as you're sending it. And this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this is so cool. I see here he says uh, Sonic climbs on top of the emerald and when he absorbs the energy becomes mega supersonic or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> so perhaps he meant hypersonic. Yeah, uh, he, he, but, uh, perhaps but, he meant but, hypersonic, yeah. yeah. Do you know what? I'm I'm glad that was left as supersonic because an appearance yeah. from hypersonic over a page seems like such a waste of yeah, a property. Definitely. So to yeah. keep it as supersonic for a very brief amount of time is is perfectly fine. Yes, in fact, I've, uh, looking at the so the way that this script is laid out is that first he very briefly in a single paragraph describes the entire issue and then breaks it down because essentially it's a pitch document. He's giving yeah. this to his editor to try and explain what he's going to do and that it's all right. And in that opening paragraph, he says. When we get to the supersonic bit, supersonic now looks a little different in the new game and is called mega supersonic, I think. So yeah, he's talking about hypersonic. He's talking about hypersonic. Well, still better that it. Yeah, Tom's right. It's better that it became supersonic because it feels then like a return, and mm. that feels like too much of an event to yeah to limit to the number of pages. And again, it feels like how they are putting the Sonic the comic universe in with mm. the Sonic Three universe. It just it makes it all mesh together. It makes you feel like you're still reading the games. Yeah. Um. One little thing, actually, that suddenly makes a lot of sense to me, which mm. I've sort of... I noticed it on my first read-through of this now that I'd never really spotted it before, which was that I always thought that there were two teleporters. You know, that, that Sonic and Knuckles came in on one and that Metallics had the Emerald positioned on another one. Because right. what happens during the course of the fight is that Grimer observes that uh, the Master Emerald appears to have already been placed on the teleporter device, which is what allows them, while Sonic and Knuckles are busy, to surreptitiously teleport the Emerald back to the Death Egg. And I never ever noticed that in the bottom right panel of page two, the speed line of metallics running around the characters essentially and taking off and there's a little boink, a little motion line oh, where he's actually yeah. depositing the emerald on the teleporter oh, i'd never I spotted it before because staging wise it, you never really it doesn't really feel like he has swept around on it and it's so tiny and so off-handed that the fact that i now know this was done marvel method makes that make sense to me oh really because it feels like if a writer had been staging each panel out they would have maybe foregrounded that a bit more made that more clear mm. in their own directions of what needs to be where in, in a panel now the payoff for that is that although yeah you have to look carefully to see that that actual shot of him is so cool because yeah he's whooshing up and and the pose that he's in is better now that i know that's his whoosh yeah right he's he's, he's come shoom towards knuckles knocked him out and then 
Well, actually, some, see, now, see, see, here's where you right. think too much about it. The staging starts to fall apart because it's like <laughs> he's knocked Knuckles off the top of the teleporter while Sonic's still standing on it. And Knuckles falls off to the left. Sonic jumps off to the right. Uh, right and then and then in the next panel, they're suddenly both off to the left of the teleporter. And Sonic is further all right, away yeah. from the camera again behind Knuckles. Okay, look, you're right there, but. That pose that Metallics is in, where he's shot up into the air and then swerved round so that we're now looking down over his shoulder and he's shooting his big ball of energy. Yes, that is that's a really cool drawing. Very cool. Oh, yeah, because there's another thing. He shoots a big ball of energy. That's another like thing he does the game. from the game. Like in the yep. games. <laughs> oh, I love this. Everything is so well considered. It's it's a shame. Do you know what? It's a shame that Mechasonic doesn't last as long as he does. Mm. But then reading these notes where on page four, Nigel said, Mega Supersonic or whatever, cruelly destroys his opponent. Make this as graphic as good taste allows. <laughs> yeah. It's the note that he's put here. And it does explain as Knuckles is waking up, he sees Mechasonic's head flying over the top of him. And Sonic is literally standing in the guts yep. of Mechasonic. Ripping pulling the ripping wires out. Yes. Like, you, you can imagine he's been there for ages. Yeah. Just tearing and waiting for him to wake himself, up. Yeah. Having a lovely, having a lovely day just ripping this thing apart and we do get to be fair now when you talk about him not lasting too long but we yeah he's around for four out of seven pages so macasonic he gets his juice here and and, and he absolutely has the upper hand throughout the entirety of the strip right i mean it Sonic wasn't winning if he didn't turn into supersonic mm. here. He's the messenger to a bigger story here. This is where we sow the seeds for the Brotherhood of Metallic stuff. Mm, mm. So his his purpose has been served. Yeah, Knuckles, knocked out by Metallics, then wakes up, uh, ripping the guts out, and then Supersonic's like, oh, oh hello, someone else to punch. <laughs> <laughs> but you do also maybe get the impression, as you usually do with Supersonic, that this is just Sonic's natural annoyances and frustrations finding vent, you know, where he's Oh, he always finds Tails a pathetic little creep or whatever he calls him, which is just a, a magnified, exaggerated version of the way Sonic looks on Tails as a sort of a, a pesky little brother. And this is, you know, all of Sonic's sort of frustrations with his friendly rival Knuckles boiling over and is going, and he notices his awake and he says, You shouldn't have bothered, now I'm going to put you to sleep again, but permanently! Oh, and he pounds in him. And he pounds. Knuckles has got nothing going on. He can't even act fast enough to defend himself, and it's only because the emerald power wears off and Sonic turns back to normal in the middle of the punch. And he goes, "I'm gonna, I'm... Knuckles, what's happening? Are you all right?" <laughs> sure. And as we said before, Knuckles is is very <laughs> quick to forgive, and Sonic tries to apologize, but well, perhaps Knuckles is quick to forgive because he's more concerned about the fact the Master Emerald has disappeared. Yeah, mm. park that. There's bigger issues afoot. <laughs> And so, yeah, what we see is things just crumbling around. I'll tell you what, I have one little critique here, mm. which is that when we zoom out to see the whole Sky Sanctuary and the fact that it's falling apart, there's no sign of that teleporter. Um, It might have... Oh, that's a good shout, actually. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like maybe I remember recognising that when I read mm -hmm. this Yeah, as a kid. That, yeah. You can decide, if you like, that it's just round the back of the big pillar. Yeah. <laughs> Or in front of the little slopey bit that you can see there. So it could just be hidden. But unless... No, that's just some rocks, isn't it? Mm, that's just some rocks. That's, yeah, it's it's not in the drawing. I, I peered at it yesterday trying to find this thing. So it's uh, if it, it could be in that little cloud of dust. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Unless it fell away between scenes. Well, yeah. Do we need it again? Do we use it in the next issue? I don't know. No, they... Well, I have pretty good memory that the next issue begins with the famous mm. ending of the Sky Sanctuary Zone, where they run up that pillar they there. Up, they run around which the Which we can see set up in top. this... Yes. Like from the game. Oh, so good. Well, if anything, they need to get rid of it then, because then it, it explains why they can't just teleport out. Of yeah. So, eyes out for the teleporter in next issue. Keep right? an and then Knuckles says, do you hear that noise? Is it thunder? It's no <laughs> storm, buddy. And then there's this big roiling hot orange clouds glowing and rising up around them. But whatever it is, it's big and it's heading our way. Next, oh. disaster strike! Oh, and you can see this golden light shining up through the cloud bank at the edge of the sky. <gasps> Oh, it's coming. Ooh. It's coming. What's coming? I, I, mean, I remember thinking in hindsight that it was odd that, and this is why, like I said earlier, you would never be 100% sure when Kitching knew exactly what issues his stories would fall in, mm -hmm. because it's odd that issue 50 is just sort of the midpoint of this big storyline. But what a way to celebrate it all the same with Metal Sonic versus Supersonic. You yeah. Know? Love, I love this. Very, very. <laughs> How many more ways can we say that this just represents two creators at the peak of their power? Yeah, <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? Yeah. It really does, and you can tell they're enjoying the process as well. Like yeah. you can tell, there's a passion for it. There, there's a passion for the storytelling, even though there might not be the same level of passion that Sonic fans would exude, Mega Sonic or whatever. <laughs> but with Nigel, and when I spoke to him as well, like there is an absolute passion yeah. for storytelling and and the freedom they had to tell these stories and the connection that him and Richard Elson had. Yeah, these are two guys who aren't just showing up to do a job at the office that day. These are guys who care about making comics. The passion exudes from the pages. Mm. I would never have thought that this was done Marvel style, just because I didn't think mm. British creators really did that. But no. it's, you know, that that then also tells us the kind of, like, synergy that they're... Yeah. When, you know, we joke about peak of their powers and everything and have done for some time now, but like, yeah, mm. uh, if that's where they have reached as creators yeah. working together, that, that they can tell a story that way and have it come out as such a certified banger <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what more proof? Refuso! Refuso! Ooh, it's another... Well, it's half and half, isn't it? Because we've got NBA Jam Tournament Edition for the Mega Drive, reviewed by David Gibbon, and Beavis and Butthead for the Mega Drive, reviewed yeah. by Jenny Fromer. Play either of these some? I played NBA Jam. My cousin used to have a Sega Mega Drive where we'd stay at my nan's. He'd bring it over, and he would batter me on NBA Jam <laughs> on the regular. But was it Tournament Edition? That's the question. Oh, I'll have to message <laughs> him and find out which one it was. But I, I remember, I liked it. I remember being bad at it. Mm. Beavis and Butthead. I remember, and and here we go. This, I mean, I mean, great company for this level of conversation one because we're all Sonic fans. Also, we're all of a similar age. Yeah. This was a weekend rental from Blockbuster. Ah, mm. The early days of rental. They had a whole wall of Mega Drive games and that was the one because I'd seen it and I thought, oh, this looks cool. This looks trendy. 
and uh, it's it's not a terrible game. It's not great. Mm. <laughs> it's not terrible. It's very much trying to keep that point and click adventure alive to a 90s audience who don't know any better. It felt like you were being a bit naughty because yeah. it was a bit rude. Like they'd spit and swear and stuff. They've got this little warning box under the Beavis and Butthead review that says, warning, this game is not suitable for younger readers. Check rating before you buy. Yes. And I don't know. I mean, I pulled it up on YouTube and it seems like it's not... They they do farts. Yeah, I couldn't see what they were referring and to. That, I mean, of course, this was back at a time when we thought saying something sucks was rude, you know? So they do say that. But that's printed here in the comic, so if that's what it is, then yeah. I'm a bit grouchy about Beavis and Butthead. I never, never liked it. Oh, I never liked oh, it either. No. It's a bit, um... I don't know, it's rubbish. <laughs> it was of a time. It was yeah. of a time where it was meant to be... It was a very anti-establishment. Yes, and I do appreciate... What I do appreciate about it, if I'm right about it, because there's precious little of it I've seen because I didn't have Sky in those days. You know, sure, know. yeah, yeah. I certainly didn't like watch it on television. No! I've only seen it a little later. No, I'm not even 100% convinced it was on in this country, was it? Mm-hmm. Was it? Good and swear to know. it. No, it was it was on well, it was on satellite. I remember yeah. it being on yeah. MTV. Definitely remember it being on MTV. Seems to remember it being on Channel Four at oh, like really? eleven PM. I can believe really? that. It seems like the sort of thing Channel Four would have shown. Yeah. Well what I can appreciate about it is that there seems to be this underlying joke, at least when it started up, of like, wouldn't it be inherently funny if we made a cartoon about two kids? that is actually accurate to what two kids do together, which yeah. is nothing. They just bum around and go, huh, and one of them burps and the other one laughs, and that's it. <laughs> that There is something funny about that. I mean, the, the way the review describes it here, uh, as fans of the show will know, the undynamic duo exists to hang out in the suburban world of shopping malls and burger joints, which is a different way of saying that the show is about nothing but I don't feel like it's also an entirely honest or accurate one. <laughs> well, there was. I, I always felt that the writer of this didn't quite know exactly what Beavis and Butthead was. Like, eh. the most excellent Guar, not really a Beavis and Butthead thing, yeah, most yeah, excellent. Yeah, most excellent is, they've. I think whoever's, it was, who is it that wrote this one? Jenny Fromer. Yeah, very much kind of merging it in with Bill and Ted. She's conflating Bill and Ted and Wayne's World and this. And to be fair, there's a continuity between yeah, those three things. Yeah, they're all from the same primordial ooze, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the game itself sounds like a bit of fun anyway. As you said, it's a point-and-click right, uh, type yeah. adventure, you know? I d- uh, she says, the best thing about Beavis and Butthead is the puzzle element, which forces you to think as they do. See, that's good. You know, that's mm, a good way to translate a good. cartoon into, into that world. A good tip to follow is not to do the expected, just the most disgusting thing. For instance, there's a use for a dead rat. And yeah, I went to YouTube and looked up what the use for the dead rat was. Oh, what is it? <laughs> well, you see this uh, screenshot just above here where they're in the back of a chip shop burger joint. I wondered if it might be to do with that, yes. Put it in the fryer. Yeah, you dump the dead rat in the fryer and serve it up to a bloke, and when he eats it, he bokes up a piece of the ticket that you're looking for, because <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> Logic. Yeah, so a bit on the Discworld side of things where, no, you're never going to guess the puzzles unless you just try everything, which in those days, you did. Because you um, had the time. Looking at these three screenshots, you know, I can't... And this is a good thing. As a reader, I can't figure out a continuity between these three screenshots in order to figure out what the gameplay is. And that's mm. good. That would have excited me at the time. It's like, oh, you're just being these people. And different things happen and you do different yeah, things. being them and going places. Yeah, and living their lives. I, I liked that. It's, it's, I mean, it's why I connected so much with Shenmue, which really was the first time <laughs> that that idea was really delivered on. 
I feel as if I ought to just 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 make a cursory mention of NBA Jam Tournament Edition. Yeah, we did kind of jump past it there. We skipped right over it. Yeah. There's a couple of things to bring up here. One is that they seem to feel the need to explain dunks. They, yeah, we, we had this before, didn't we? It was either, ba- I don't remember what it was, but it was either basketball or baseball where Dave Gibbon took the position that nobody in this country knew or cared. Not an incorrect position, mind you. Certainly not on this podcast. But felt the need to then explain the sport, you know? Yeah, for starters, you get nine additional dunks. Dunks, brackets, no, it's not rude. For those who don't know, occur when the player leaps higher than your average high jumper and performs a spectacular move before slamming the ball into the basket. So now we know what a dunk is. I honestly... It, I, I had to sit there staring at it for ages. Like, how could you imagine that was rude? And I suppose it sounds a bit like dumps, maybe? I, dumps. I have serious questions about the reviewer and what they get up to on the choir. <laughs> oh, look out for some dunks. Not rude. Not rude. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can't swear we would have known what a dunk was, you know, in a basketball context, you know? Um, No, but it kind of explains itself, doesn't it, dunk? Because that, that isn't just a basketball word. No, you that's dunk true. Stuff. You talk about yeah, being dunked in a pool, you know, whenever you shove yeah, someone's exactly, head yeah. under water or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dunked in a pool of acid is a great way to start off a criminal's career, for instance. Well, I meant swimming pool. But <laughs> <laughs> to give some love to NBA Jam, I can't remember if it was this one or if it was... Regular edition. Regular. I must have been the tournament edition. It had loads of hidden characters in there and you'd have to put in their names in the... in. There'd be like a, a cheats page or a, or a oh. team page. And you'd put their names in to unlock like Bill Clinton. Oh, and, oh. and Al Gore. Because as like as hidden characters. I think some versions of the game had Mortal Kombat characters in it too. Oh. Because it says here, NBA Jam Tournament Edition features twice the number of NBA players plus secret characters which can only be used with a special cheat. Mm. I'm Now that you've said that, because my note, what I've written down reading that is... You know, oh, oh, special character. Can you imagine some of the characters? Think of it. I bet there's a man. I bet there's probably there'll be a man. You can unlock a man. But yeah, no. If it's like stuff like Bill Clinton and stuff, then yeah. now I get it. We'll have to keep an eye on the uh, the Q Zone future issues and see if they give us any list of codes. I bet there was a Michael Jackson one, right? That's the sort of person you put in, isn't it? Back then, cheats for Genesis. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. Al Gore. Yeah, Al Gore and Bill Clinton were there. Um. Warren Moon? No idea. And we're down to man. Is, yep. he, a, is he a basketballing man? Ooh. He's always oh, he's, he's a footballing man. That's oh, a well, footballing I mean, a... man. Oh. <laughs> That's a different sport. Oh, the wacky world it? Of I mean, outrageous. Oh my what word. What a twist. Imagine that. Can you picture him even playing basketball? Crazy. <laughs> And in wonderful, this is a very 90s thing. One of the other hidden characters, that I believe there was a, somebody with a dog face called Chow Chow. I think that mm-hmm. might have been one of them. But also, oh. one of the other hidden characters is Mark Turmel, who worked at Midway. <laughs> okay. Man. Literally just a man. I'm sure that was a thing that happened quite a lot in games in the 90s, where they where the developers would, would, would hoy themselves yeah, into the yeah. game somewhere. I will never begrudge that, the, no, putting the devs in. That, that's fine by me. That's that's a good laugh. Who was the guy in Doom? Oh. There was a whole room devoted to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, come on. We've got to say his name now. What's his name? Come on. His face was in that room. Romero. John Romero? I want to say John Romero. Yeah, that's it. Romero's head on a spike. Yeah, and who is he then? 
Was he the programmer or? He was the, I think he was the programmer. Was doom, he John Romero? Doom, doom, doom. His face is in the room. <laughs> Let's spend some time in Hero while shooting John Romero. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, and all these demons start dancing on the car bonnet. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I completely misread a part of this too. I was very, it's trying to explain to us what the new features, the hotspots and super jam power ups oh, are. Hotspots appear at random times in the arena, and when a player shoots while standing on one, they gain up to five extra bonus points. And then the next thing it says is, well, I'll read it to you the way I accidentally read it, <laughs> which is, uh, power-ups, as in a platform game, appear in collectibles to improve your... And I'm like, oh, so there's like a secret little <laughs> oh, platform game yeah. that you can play in the middle. And I was like, when, when no... And then I went to YouTube and I was like, I don't see anything like that. I don't understand this at all. And then I realized it was power-ups, as in a platform game, appear as collectibles to improve. Yes. <laughs> and I just uh, just completely read it wrong. <laughs> Silly. But then the developers behind Michael Jordan, Chaos in Windy City, read that and went, hmm, <laughs> basketball platform game, eh? Yeah, you can get bombs, apparently. I don't really see what they're... Yeah. What are you supposed to do with bombs in basketball? Pin up. Now, this is credited, although if uh, if you at home are looking at the scans, you won't see this credit because it's actually partly cut off even in the print edition, which often has a little bit of overscan based on the scanned version. Look, it's a Casanovas, and you see that? Oh, it's bloody Casanovas, of course it is! And you can tell it's a Casanovas work because Tails is going dead. <laughs> My memory of Casanovas work was he'd make them look like worryingly human. Uh, it was usually in the hands. Yeah! Really creepy hands. We've we've observed in the past that like basically every new strip that he does, he improves. He gets a better handle on them. And what what was his last one? The uh, the Frozen Zone. I think they look so. great in that. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And this one, I mean, this is quite. I think quite heavily Greg Martin referenced for the Sonic here. Yeah, yeah. Particularly the way the way that his speed lines are echoing that curve of his spine all the way back. That looks like the Game Gear cover to me. Mm -hmm. But he's really putting his own spin. <laughs> spin. On his whirling legs, because they look harsh. Yeah, they are really going. digging up the earth, which is all yeah. shooting around everywhere. Really tearing up the landscape. Yeah, that I like this look for Sonic. He's punishing the ground as he runs. And it does bring into the debate something that I always wondered, which is the spinning of Sonic's legs, was that both his legs or just one of them? What? <laughs> How could it only ever just be one leg? You reckon leg? Sonic just cycles one leg and well, keeps what, one out as a rudder? If that's what's going on here, it looks like it's one leg each. In the, it, oh, it oh like you're it. asking, does a single whirl count as the whirl for both feet? Yeah. I thought you meant, is he only whirling one foot and the other one is just still? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right. That's why Sonic ran in a circle for many years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he answers the question here. Apparently they are both... Doing their own circles. Yeah. Yep. Which which could cause problems if they're not in sync consistently. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's got two, like the uh, the big wheels on the side of, what do I mean? Those old river boats that had a big wheel <laughs> yeah. on the side. Like that. <laughs> he's got these two great Sonic wheels. the river boat. Whirling along either side of him. I mean, let's be like, the, 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 the whirling <laughs> leg wheel is a classic piece of Sonic iconography that... Yeah. 
doesn't make any sense because it does imply that his leg is just going 360 at the hip. It kind of <laughs> and... looks like that when you draw it. I think it makes more sense in the game itself. Yes, because... and also the game is 2D, so it gets away with a lot yeah, more. Yeah, but it, you get to see in the frames that his foot comes up quite high as he runs. Yeah, there's a, there's a, it's not a perfect circle, you know, yeah, there's a, yeah. an undulation. Yes, and of course in the game, they could simply have run the frames fast. There was no need to actually abstract it into a world. You, you know, in a comic, of course, you would always do that a lot of the time, but... Um, and, and in the cartoon, definitely. <laughs> do you know, do you know I just remembered? Uh, I remember one time my granny uh, came into the room when I was playing Sonic. Getting up a good head of speed. And his legs were going, <laughs> and she squinted at the television, and she was like, she couldn't make heads or tails of what she was seeing. Hmm. And she was like, is he on a bicycle? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, if we're doing this, I don't know if I told you this back in the day, but uh, Abby has a lovely memory of when she was playing through Echo on... Uh, uh, I think it was on Boxing Day, and uh, she was fighting the big octopus. And it's grabbing out for her, and you're having to weave in and out and, and avoid its grip. And uh, and her granny came in and went, Oh, so have you got to avoid his testicles? <laughs> <laughs> I knew what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, we've got a pin-up, and it's nice. It's a lovely pin-up. Not sure what's going on exactly with Tails as Tails, though. Yes, it, that's yes. They've got the cap of world, the iconic comic rendering of the helicopter blade mm. spin. But within it, within the eye of the storm, <laughs> are, are his two tails visible? Yeah, just sort of still at each side. Yeah, yeah instead of a kind of a tornado, a central, yeah, tornado column whirling up into the middle of the. Yeah, yeah. well. Just goes to show, I suppose, that's how this this artist decided to interpret that. Yeah, the only thing, the only downside to this pinup is the same as there always is. They always ruin it by writing pinup on it. Yeah, which immediately invalidates it from going up on my wall. In the same way that, like, if someone does a really good joke on Twitter, but announces that it's a joke, you know, when someone does a good Photoshop or whatever yeah. and posts it with a little comment like, uh, "A bit of humour for you here." Like, oh, <laughs> there's no way I'm retweeting that then. Sorry. You know, I think just something know, if you wanted to smile. Shut. Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody just reacted to actually the tweet about our newest issue with an alarmed response to the cover promise of a pinup, and I, I feel like oh. we just throw the term around casually. Oh, but yeah, oh, wait we, a minute. <laughs> yeah, many people hear pinup and they think a Playboy, a sexy yeah. fold-out uh, type poster. Remember, everyone, that a center fold can have anything printed on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, a pinup in our parlance, it's just a single page that you could remove from the comic and, and pin up. Yeah, there is no folding involved. If if it folds, it's a poster. But if, if mm. it's just a single sheet, that's just a pin up. That's just all it yeah. means. It's just a uh, it's just a picture that you can pin up. Yep. S somebody responded, "Tails pin up." <laughs> Worried emoji. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes you think, doesn't it? Does this mean that in the olden days of like printed photographic erotica, <laughs> what's the what's the proper word that they would have used back then? Etchings. Yeah, would <laughs> would they have expected people to pin them up? I guess, because <laughs> that parlance has uh, that's happened somehow. That people have changed in their mind what pin up means to mean nothing about pinning up the picture. That's so true. I guess you yeah. were supposed to pin it up. Maybe it was to do with you know soldiers would pin it up in their that, that barracks. Was, that was where my mind was yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, soldiers. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, well, there you go. Anyway, that's a little little bit of. 
explanation for well, you. I'm, I'm excited for World War Three, where all our, our brave boys have, in their barracks have pictures, pictures of Sonic and Tails drawn by Casanova. <laughs> <laughs> Lying in bed going, you know what? I just don't know whether it's one spin for one leg or <laughs> two for both. I got a comic waiting for me at home. <laughs> Shinobi. One, two, three. Power of the Elements, Part 4, written by Alan McKenzie, with art by Joan Howard and letters by Tom Frame. Musashi and the Roof Worlders engage the four elements and their Yakuza thugs in battle. Musashi renders air unconscious and knocks earth from the building, while Katomi-sensei immobilizes fire using acupressure, forcing the villains to retreat. But as they withdraw, Katomi-sensei is hit by Yakuza gunfire. Now, I have to put my hand up here, lads. Doing this podcast is the most I've paid attention to the Shinobi comic. I'll put that out there. Hand on heart. I skipped through it when I was a kid. I just wanted Sonic. I just wanted Sonic. Well, Dave, you were quite similar, weren't you? Absolutely. I never used to read this. I mean, I, you know, I obviously when the comic started, I gave it a go. I was reading it then, but... It wasn't the thing I was interested in because I've said this before. It's just men. It's just, just men, grown-ups. Yeah. But you and I have definitely come to appreciate it. So, Tom, what, what if then this was your first real close look at it, what'd you think about it? Uh, I, do you know what? Th they're fun little action pieces, aren't they? Yeah. They are. Well, this one more than most, because I was going to say, this isn't uh, perhaps the best. It's not a bad strip in any way at all. It's a great mm. little action piece. Mm. But that is all that it is. Compared to some of the stuff that the Shinobi strip has done before, this one is just some man fight on a rooftop. It's an all-action issue, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it really is, isn't it? I wonder it? if this was done Marvel method as well. Yeah, it's certainly... I get why it's included now. I think because one of the things that when Sonic the comic was first coming out, they said that they wanted it to be more a, a Sega comic. Mm. And they did loads, mm. you know, as, as you guys have talked about, they've done loads over the years with different IPs. And I guess Shinobi was one of the bigger IPs, so they had to... They wanted to incorporate it in some way. And, and do you know what? The Shinobi license lends itself well to a comic adaptation. And you do get a real appreciation for it looking back at it in when you're older. You appreciate it a bit more. Yeah. The storytelling, I don't think, was as enticing for me as a Sonic fan. But they still told stories well. Shinobi comes across as a as a decent hero. And like here, like beating up the big lad on the rooftop. It doesn't, yeah, leave us an awful lot to say though, because it is <laughs> just just a big action sequence. You know, we see the elements really using their powers yeah. in battle for you know, literally the first time, isn't it? Really, we, we saw Earth use his earthquake power once mm -hmm. before in the previous serial. But here, he and Musashi properly go at it. You know, Musashi hits air on the back of the head with the sword, knocks her out. Then he and Earth go at it, swords and hands. <clears throat> he tries to shoulder him, but Earth can't move at all. Mine is the power of the Earth. You cannot move me any more than you can move a mountain. There is more, more than, than one, one way, way to, move, to a move a mountain. He's good at the lines like yeah. that. Mm. <laughs> when he throws down like a flash bomb. A humble magnesium pellet. One element to defeat another. Hey. And he just pumps him off the roof. Hey! <laughs> You know, it's interesting. Something that's happened here that I never really noticed, and I certainly didn't notice this the first time around because I had stopped reading by now, but in the first series of Shinobi, it is just men. It is just some guys who have martial arts mm. abilities fighting. And stilts. Yeah. And as we've <laughs> moved through the series, we've now ended up in a place where, had they started a bit more obviously like this, I might have been more interested as a kid, because now we're into Power Rangers stuff. Yeah, super rare powers. We've got people in different coloured ninja suits with different elemental powers. And yet it happened so subtly that even this time as an adult, 
I very gradually realized that they had these elemental abilities at all. I thought they were just dressed up to represent them. And, and like I say, this might be the first time we really see that they can do this stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to think, because they, they pop up at the end of the first serial, and then Musashi literally jumps out a window to get away from and the story ends. There's no actual yeah. fight. Then they do appear at the end of the second serial again, and we see Earth use his earthquake power. Mm-hmm. And he does fight the Void in the poster mag, and the Void has... Does that was it Iron Hand technique? You see, if they had just started with something really unsubtle and worse storytelling wise, <laughs> if they had started with like the the elemental ninjas, this one can do water, this you know, earth, fire, all that stuff. Heart and then Yeah, and then bring in <laughs> and the mysterious void, the fifth element or whatever. I'd be like, Yes, cool. Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> But as it is, actually, I just wasn't interested because it was just guys punching each other. But looking at it now, mm. the, just the drawings are really cool. I think it's really good. Here's a little detail I never spotted until now. Mm. And it is, you can see it on pages number one, mm-hmm. but only a little bit. So put your thumb instead in page two and page four. Pages two and four on the left. As Musashi does a big jump or a swoosh or does some fast move, mm-hmm. the emphasis is put on that. By doing little shiny speed whoosh marks on the little individual studs on his headdress thing. He's got like a little headband on with white spots on it and they spike outwards. Yeah, there's lots of those throughout. Like look even Uh, then on page three where water throws a palm strike at Kadomi. Yeah, and her knuckles stretch backwards. Yeah, the knuckles actually like pull back into the speed line. It's good. Yes. It's a good uh, effect. And and in fact, same page, first drawing, the fire one is running Mm. along. With elbows, little and heels, heel and bits yeah. streaking off there. That's a really cool way of showing speed that I've never noticed before. It's not that he doesn't use speed lines; uh, uses them quite liberally. Oh, in fact, all over you know, the place. And, yeah, and speed lines can be a tricky. I'm, I feel like we've talked about this at some point in a comic with a super fast superhero character, you know. But it's very easy to overuse them and not realize you're doing it, you know, and then wind up mm. conveying absolutely nothing through them. But uh, although they are used quite liberally here it doesn't feel like it in fact let me point something out like get your copy books opened at page two and three please (laughs) top right panel of page two top left panel of page three it ain't just speed lines it is properly used manga speed lines yeah yeah proper old Ah, manga speed lines too the radial speed lines coming in from the around the outsides of the panel and I've, you know, been doing some studying of these to try and figure out how they work. And this is how they work. He's using them exactly the way people yeah. today use speed lines in, like, well-drawn manga. So this yeah. is a guy who's... He hadn't just seen Akira. This is a guy who studied manga as part of his interest stroke job. There's so many elements to it. It's almost like a gateway for people who want to discover that genre mm. would use something like that. I was always impressed with, even though I never bought into the story, and I'm sure you guys have covered this, but in terms of the presentation of the comic strips, it's so footloose in Shinobi, more so than Sonic, which is restrictive in comparison, Mm -hmm. because it's the penultimate page of this one, where the majority of the page is the penultimate image. 
which is him smacking the guy off the roof. And all the frames are, are in within that one. Oh, yeah. It's one of those where the whole the base page is that one shot and all the yeah. other panels are over the top. Yeah. So the whole page is the flare lines. Yeah. Or the, you know, it feels wrong to call them speed lines whenever they're not no, conveying they're not speed. But, you know, the, the, the manga lines, we'll call them. The manga lines, Zooming yeah. in from the edges as, as emphasis of the, of the flare from the pellet that he's dropped. And then all the other the panels are within that but then they're not they're not in a grid system either because we have some of those uh panels where the frames are made out of bamboo like we've seen that he's done that before i mean like i i wonder about it sometimes it feels almost appropriative sometimes the Mm. way this we talked about it before in the past whenever there was just a dragon in the background that one time because you know fetishy almost of asian iconography that way but um it's still nice to look at News zone. And once again, we don't have a new zone in STC, and it honestly looks like this might be the case going forward. I'm not always going to do this, because as we've experienced before, it's not always relevant. But I have record of what was going on in real life at this exact time, for I have my 1995 diary. Tom, look at it. There it is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> my days. I love that. I actually forgot it was the old grey sonic binder. Exactly. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. What a piece of history. I know. Get that in a museum immediately. Yeah. So is this your this is your personal diary? This is it? my diary. Yeah, this is I honest to God. To this is real. This isn't a bit. No, there's no, there's no I mean it, yeah, there's no joke here. I haven't written this for this. This is actually my teenage diary at that time, and we like to see the ways in which it syncs up with our memories of life in those days. And it does. What we have here is my diary entry for Easter Day. Okay. I want chocolate in this. I want this to be about eggs. Easter Day 1995 is the 16th of April 1995. And I have written down here. I got two. Count Count them. them. (laughs) Two. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Living documents. (laughs) Proof. Easter eggs. <laughs> what happens here is we then... I've already established that it's this Sonic folder, but this is where I run out of pages. So I then transfer over to this little oh. notebook, and it's relevant that it started a new book here because I felt the need to do a little introduction, as if, you know, here's what this is. And what it says is this. That previous diary I explained was the first one I've ever had. It's in a small Sonic the Hedgehog organiser. Hey, did you know... That Sonic the Comic has sold 50 issues. <laughs> well, yes! it I, has. We've, oh, I've been waiting. I've been <laughs> waiting for you to talk about this stupid comic we do a podcast about. <laughs> so, have you not mentioned it in all the no, diaries? Yet, no. up until now. I thought you had by now. No. Uh, well, it has. I've got in my Sonic box every single issue, yeah. including the small preview given away free with other comics. It's the best comic that's ever happened to me. (laughs) Never a truer word spoken. That's ever happened to you. (laughs) I go on to say, I've finished building Andy's Lego castle. Bye! (laughs) (laughs) Apparently he got that for his birthday and I have been building it instead of him. (laughs) Maybe he needed the help. I doubt it. <laughs> Gosh. 50... B- Happy anniversary, STC. Yeah. yeah. STC. STC. Come on, everyone. STC. STC. Fight forever. Graphic Zone.
Well, this is always fun, isn't it? Yeah, this is our tale that it's the Easter issue without a control zone to remind us that this is also <laughs> doubling up as an Easter issue. A selection of excellent Easter drawings. It's There are tiers that the images that are sent into Sonic the Comic represent. There's <laughs> ones that are just perfectly regular old drawings of Sonic and co. And yeah. then there are ones that put them in unusual situations. And then there are ones that are like, how? What? <laughs> You know, what What was the inspiration here? And there's a good cross-section at work here in this particular one, you know. I can't tell you how angry Graphic Zone made me. Oh, yeah. And and do you know what? It's apparently my ego coming through because I sent quite a few pictures to Graphic Zone. Oh, and they were never printed. And you were always like, mine are so much better than this dross. Yes! Thank you, (laughs) Chris! I saw this one. I'm looking at you. Reckon I know what... Daryl Lines of Hemel Hempstead. (laughs) I've just drawn Sonic and Tails' eggs. Isn't that fun? I I did a whole montage of Sonic fighting Metal Sonic. But no! (laughs) Screw you, Tom! We want Sonic as eggs, apparently. Let's be clear, though, because when we say Sonic and Tails as eggs, what we mean is drawings (laughs) of Sonic and Tails where instead of heads, they just have big old Easter eggs. This is a running theme in uh, the reader's drawings, is Sonic and Tails with different things for heads. I feel like we've seen this. And in this case, yeah, they're both just a sort of, you know... Uh, uh, Tails is almost a rectangle they're they're very meticulously drawn easter egg shapes not even egg shapes, easter egg shapes and on them are just scribbles and whirls and patterns of the sort that you don't really even get on easter eggs then or now except illustrations of easter eggs But yeah you know that's what it represents all the same by the way not just Darren Lines I know Master Master Darren Lines from Hemel Hempstead He's from money. No, I don't think that's what it is. I think he's the master of lines. And that's how he's drawn <laughs> this incredible picture. There's so many lines all over the eggs. Darren, master of lines. How can you draw these patterns without being master of lines? <laughs> livid. Absolutely livid. <laughs> Just furious. Easter is supersonic. Top right. Sonic yep. winking coming out of an Easter egg. Coming out of an egg. I can already go back to Tom of this age, who would have looked at that and gone, he's the wrong colours for a <laughs> yeah. star. Yeah, he's got a dark you brown where he's supposed to have his You read this stuff. comic and you can't get his colours right. <laughs> Maybe he's supposed to be chocolatey. This is Adam Gaddo of Red Car Cleveland that we're being rude about at the moment, by the way. Yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Red Oh, he's from Redco. He's from Randy. Okay. <laughs> well, better not shout it too loudly then. He'll hear you. Oh, is it Redco? It's either Red. Well, Re- it is Redco, but sometimes they say Red Car. It's they, they argue right. about it all the time, all right. don't they? Uh, but there's there's one name on here that I I am curious, and I I punch them into Facebook, and I think I found who they are, mm. and I'm just sort of <laughs> plucking up the courage to message them. You no, know, we we, we <laughs> nothing I've nasty. Done that. No, I've done that before. I've got in contact with anyone I can find on here are they normally apologetic we've come on the podcast a couple of times oh splendid that's the dream that's what we want is when yeah. we can find we someone want people who's done... to see this and go hey i remember that issue that's the issue my drawing was in get in touch with us and yeah. come on <laughs> also while we're here while we're on graphic zone i follow the rules 
I follow the rules. <laughs> oh my god, you really can't <laughs> a grudge about this, aren't you? I'm very, I'm very angry about <laughs> didn't this. Didn't colour it in, in with in pencil. In life, I might have drawn for Sonic the comic. That didn't happen. Even though everyone who sends in a drawing and gets it printed colours it in with pencils, and they explicitly yeah. say not to. Why do they say not yes! to when they print it? Don't anyway? use pencils. People using pencils here and cre- be original. Don't copy pictures from the comic. Yeah. I can see one here, which is a picture lifted from the <laughs> yeah, yeah. comic. I mean, look at Fury. Easter is supersonic. That's the winking Sonic. We've got a tattoo yeah, of that Sonic. Yeah. This issue. Why am I being penalised <laughs> for following the rules and being good at it? Tom, I'm Tom, sorry. I should have. Yes. I can make you a promise here and now. Yes, mate. If you draw us a picture of Sonic, we will put it on the Twitter. Yeah. We will attach it to this episode. I'm going to do one right now. <laughs> it's reaching for the pen, boomers. <laughs> I'm going to do one right now. I'm not even sorry. Don't <laughs> <laughs> leave my pens. The day has come. <laughs> I can draw one whilst we're talking. Because this is, as you can tell, it's something that has stayed with me for quite some time. Well, speaking of copied pictures, anyway, uh, Kieran Robert Slack here has uh, has done the one that I think Tom is so mad about, um, which is uh, Robotnik <laughs> the bad egg of Robotnik bursting out of a of an egg yeah. in, an, in an egg cup, and he's definitely been referencing some Richard Elson there. Those uh, those hands bursting out of the shell with their hard black shadows are definitely referenced from yeah. the issue when Robotnik hatched from Punched the Punched his fists out of the shell. Yeah, exactly. And I love that he's written Pong, Pong smell, and smell coming out of it. With him. the stink lines, I know. Yeah, and he's drawn a really good logo. Like, Robotnik the Bad Egg is done in a number of different bespoke fonts mm. on the egg cup. And the bad has a thumbs down hand next to it and the egg is all green and slimy like rotten egg. <laughs> yeah, now you see, Kieran has tried to draw a Sonic thumbs down yeah, but of yeah. course he's given him a blue arm to communicate that it's sonic which is not correct because as we all know sonic arms were pink and something else that we all know was pink is knuckles <laughs> uh, but sadly we don't know the identity of the person who knew that because this picture comes from anon and it's a good eastery one well it's, it's no actually it's somewhere between the two isn't it really because it, well it's uh-huh. it's a picture of uh, dr robotnik in emerging from an egg in an egg cup and sonic is bonking him on the head with a toast soldier <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And Knuckles is also there. He's digging out of the ground. Um, but but the egg is not a pink hard-boiled egg, as you would expect, uh, or soft-boiled egg in this case, uh, but it is all coloured up like an Easter egg. So it's, uh, mm. yeah, a mixture of the two there. But um, do they call them soldiers in, like, America or other places? Do people know what that is, if we say soldiers? Not only do I not know if they call them that, I, I don't know if they do it. That's true, yeah. So, okay, well, uh, over here, when we have a nice boiled egg, we cut yep. toast up into strips, and those are called soldiers for some reason. And we and we dunk them yeah. in the runny egg. Yeah, that's just what you do. Yeah, that's just the dumb thing, you know, British cuisine. <laughs> Maybe it's a way of getting kids to eat eggs. Like I, well, The thing that I will always say that I do remember is that when I was a kid, I didn't like the white of the egg. So I would just oh. dunk out the yolk and eat that, and then mommy would eat the white. <laughs> oh, right. Well, that's the problem. Yes, when you use soldiers, you are getting the yolk. You're not getting the white, unless it's really, really runny, which it's unlikely to be. Oh, but you can't eat that. That's not allowed. Ah, sorry about that, gentlemen. My Wi-Fi went off. Hello. Not a problem. We've moved on. Uh, we're talking about the one where Robotnik's getting dunked on the head. Just zipping through a couple of other pictures. Oh, Liv. Uh, that, that one's awful. That's the worst one. <laughs> 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 that one's the worst one. I've got a pen now, so I'm going to actually draw something for you. So, you, which one? Um, the egg soldier one we're talking about at the moment. The top oh! Yeah. It's awful. 
<laughs> What's wrong with it? I'm sorry. He's won a badge for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is some built-up bitterness talking. Now, yeah, my favourite so. one is the one from Hannah Jones. Yeah. Uh, on the it's second page. Who's done a really lovely, squidgy, bubbly uh, cartoon it's Sonic. It's something about the fact that she's not really copied a Sonic. She's mm. drawn her own Sonic. She's In her own out... style. Yeah, she's got her own style. She's drawn Sonic a number of times before, I think. She's got something sorted out with his spikes. Mm. She's drawing his spikes in a way that, like, I want his spikes to officially be drawn. It's like they're one bank of spikes going all the way down his back, like a hedgehog, instead of being very clearly delineated mm. between mm. his head ones and his body ones and stuff. It's not what Sonic looks like, though, is it? It's not what Sonic looks but it's closer <laughs> to what he looked like in the like the Sonic 1 cover. The spikes were a bit cl- more of a piece in that one, and that's why I've always quite liked it. I love um, the... Um... Tails in a rabbit costume. Tails is in a lovely little rabbit costume. He's sitting on the ground clutching an egg. Sonic's got a big pile of eggs, presumably because he's run around the zone collecting them all really mm. fast. And just as an added little thing, in the background there seems to be a, a you know a monitor with a with an egg on it. Well, I think it's a water drop. I think it's the power. Oh up yeah, that you yeah, get. probably. I thought maybe it, does it was look an like, egg. Rather like an egg. <laughs> Popping the monitors to get eggs. <laughs> well, no, you pop the monitor, you get ten eggs. <laughs> no, you pop the monitor and you get an egg shield. You get an egg themed <laughs> shield around you. So now. I don't know what 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 would an egg protect you from? I don't know birds, <laughs> <laughs> invaders. Right there we go. What? Oh, okay, Tom has just good. drawn a good Sonic really quickly right in front of our eyes. There's an Easter egg in it as well. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know. There's an Easter egg in it. He's holding an issue of STC. So stick. Why wasn't I exempted? I don't know. He's holding a copy of Sonic the comic. Yes, livid <laughs> because his picture's not in it again. And there's an Easter egg. Just up there for banter. But yeah, they're all crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one that... Uh, Get through the rest of them, Chris. This one from Adam Har from Torquay is... Yeah, it's very distended, all right. <laughs> it's oh, yes. uh, Sonic with, with Easter bunny ears on top. Yes, he's got a big long body, Sonic, in this one. Mm, stretched out. And brown again. He's a Master System owner as well. I'm glad he included that. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes they mention it. Looks like everybody's mentioned their console this time. Not nearly everybody. Not most people have mentioned their console this time. Maybe that's why I didn't get in. Maybe I wasn't flexing with which games console <laughs> I had. <laughs> Snes owner, stick it you suckers. And then the last one he <laughs> and then the last one here is from Alison Headley, who has done Tails inside an egg. He's just got an egg. He's wearing an egg. He's na- yeah. what it is is that he's naked. And he's embarrassed, so he's put an egg on to cover his shame, yes. and he loves it. <laughs> Suddenly, he's able to be his true self. He's always wanted to be an egg. He's doing. He's like punching the air. Well, open-handed in the air. He's really happy and raising the roof. Yeah, all of his limbs poking out of the egg. Yeah, it's a big, colourful green, yellow, and red Easter egg again, and yeah, yeah. just tails his arms and legs and head pop bursting out of the holes in the shell in an otherwise intact egg. And the comment is Tails Amazing Technicolor Eggshell. I'll always highlight a Joseph shout-out. There's one. <laughs> Again, as I say, it just yeah. highlights the strange thought processes. and not, not of an individual, though. It was just so strange that kids could all independently come to these conclusions of these similar ideas. So much so, and so often, they could get entire themed graphic zones out of it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Zone Runner and the Big Freeze, Part 3. Written by Mark Isles, art by Roberto Corona. Corona. Colours by Brian Williamson, letters by Steve Potter. 
Tails convinces Sab that Sol was not responsible for the bombing of the Flock's base, and the trio head out, over Tails' usual protestations, to confront Nuts and Bolt. Having lost his body in his last fight with Tails, Nutsan now has an invincible new body made of the same living chemical ice that now blankets the chemical plant zone, meaning that it looks like Tails is doomed. Now what? This is great. I liked this. Okay, see, I was gonna ask you, yeah, because we found ourselves very <laughs> suddenly and abruptly turned around on yes. what Mark Isles has been doing with Tails' last issue. Yeah, because we haven't been a fan up till now. No. I don't know that it continues with quite the same strength as last issue into this one. But it's still not bad. I just like... I I mean, this is the second time that we've gone into the Oh, Tails is somebody else somewhere else story. <laughs> uh, you know, we had him as a knight in previous issues, as you talked about. Mm. But I like the... It, it kind of feels... The Zone Runner stuff feels a bit sat am, which is probably why I quite liked it. That's probably why we don't like that it. That could be, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you're not fans of the whole Sat AM movement. Well, look, you? I'm going to be completely honest. At the time, I was. Like, when it was on, I was excited about it. It was new. Since, basically, purely because of Ken Penders and how his version of Sonic completely buried our version of Sonic on the internet and just, you know, removed anyone taking it seriously whatsoever, I have always had a chip on my shoulder about Penders era Archie. I suspect that next time I watch Sat AM, which will be the first time since, you know, I've owned the DVD since mm-hmm. it came out, but I haven't seen it since it was on. I bet I'm going to quite like it. I bet I'll be all nostalgic Div, about it. It's hot f-ing garbage. You're not going <laughs> to like it. Oh. It's a really bad cartoon. Like as a piece of cartooning, it's not good. I bet it is. The clips I've seen have pointed in that direction. Yes, yes. I mean... If y'all like it out there, more power to you. But I oh, feel yeah. like I know Dave's tastes in cartoons well <laughs> enough at this point to be able to make a yeah. value judgment here. Yeah. Just for him. Just for him. I think if we're all honest with each other, then I think it's a case of the theme music was great. Oh, yes, yeah. It was. The title sequence was yep. excellent. The yep, premise yep, yep. is really good. And there's a few episodes that are all right. But other than that, mm. it's it doesn't hold the water that we hope it would. Well, it's one of those things where... Despite it being quite bad, it still makes sense that it has dedicated fans. It's the sort of thing where you can see, yeah, based on the concept of this and what they were shooting for, or at least what it what you can imagine based on what they made, it makes sense it would have a lot of dedicated fans, and I do get that. I mean, it didn't hurt, obviously, in, in the American side of things, to have a comic that was essentially it for, yeah. you know, run on for as long time and, and enshrine yeah. it in the minds of an entire generation of young Sonic fans as being the Sonic. And frankly, we've talked before, I think on both of our respective podcasts of the people in the room here, uh, we've talked before about how um, it's weird to us that in America, a lot of Sonic fans in America think of Sat-A-M and Archie or Pender's Era Archie as that is what Sonic is. And that's weird to us. But it kind of makes sense because our comic reflected the games. So here we think the games are what Sonic is and they didn't take off as much in America. Well, I mean, yeah, but the the games are what Sonic is, though, which is why we're right. We are right, yeah. (laughs) Can't deny that. We are definitely right. But there could have been a possibility because like, both the American and the British comics came out around about the same time. The cartoon did as well. And the comic books in America made the decision to fall a bit more in line with the cartoon. 
And yeah. it could have been in an alternative universe that somebody could have come into the British comic and gone, actually, let's kind of see what they're doing. Well, no, but... that's what, that is what happened. That's why we wound up with a world where Robotnik took over the planet and Sonic became the leader of a group of freedom fighters. That is why yeah. our comic is the way it is. Because there was like a long weekend somewhere along the way there where somebody in editorial <laughs> thought they had to copy the cartoon until mm. it turned out they didn't, whereupon they... Stopped. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, this tail strip. Okay, so this, I found this version of Isles' concept for tails far more enjoyable than before because. Yes, I don't know what's different. Well, I can't. I do. I do. Oh, good. Okay, Here's what's good. different. Tell me. Instead of Tails saying stuff like, I wish Sonic were here, which is like deferring to a more powerful character than him, instead. It's basically the same concept, but Tails is mostly doing sort of self-deprecating comments that come off more as, like, proper jokes. Yeah. So it sits better with me this way. Yeah, yeah. almost a sort of, like, blackly comedic sort of approach yeah, to the exactly, whole thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. What's that one good one? Um, Sab and Sol are leading him up to where Nutsan is holed up on the surface, and it says, we'll get you to him, and then you do your stuff. And he says, well, you mean, like, run away and bury myself in the snow or offer my services as a target? Exactly. And you're <laughs> chuckling at that. And then the guy says, Ha ha! I'm impressed, Zone Runner. Not many people could joke when they're on their way to almost certain death at the hands of a psychopathic robot. Yeah. That's funny as well. So yeah, the whole... It's actually... I've just copped it. We're on Tails' side. Yeah. There you That's go. That's what it is. There you go. We're on side with Tails because the yeah. situation is being presented as horrible and <laughs> yeah. insurmountable versus in the past where he was just a wimp who was getting carried along by the plot. Which yeah, is he's, trying still, to... he's still being carried along hey, by yeah, it. Yeah. But now he's reacting in a funny sort of way that puts but us on side with him. But this time he's doing the stuff that's like, um, I mean, in fact, in the next panel he goes, yeah, uh, yeah. I just uh, remembered something important. Uh, you carry on. I'll catch up later. That's funny that's someone hmm. trying to weasel out of something whereas before he's just been going confused and going what we are the jaw hanging slack yeah at, at least now he knows he's into it and it's just like i'm just gonna try and get out of it rather yeah. than just a lot of confused hey eh? really yeah. oh what we, really? we better call my mom sort of stuff yeah yeah i don't think you need to keep referencing oh what would sonic do no it doesn't matter you're there you're that's it. With it there you go that's the yes up till now, Sonic not being there has been presented as a fundamental problem with what's yeah, going on. Tails has always said in every strip, I wish Sonic were here, yeah. Yeah, he's been missing, and this has been something that he could have sorted out, and Tails just manages somehow to survive it through accidents and so on, which it, I've always said is a quite amusing concept, and now it's finally presented in a way I like, where it is funny. He is you trying to use his own wits to weasel out of what he mm -hmm. has to do which is a bit more, even though he's trying not to engage with what's happening, he's trying not to engage. It's yeah. something he's actively doing. And it just reads better somehow. Yeah, the, so they, they get up to not sound bold here, and we see that, yep, he's... I mean, and I remember really liking this, because I think I've said it on the show before, but oh. when I was a kid, even now, really, still, but I always had a thing about villains with ice and cold-themed powers. So oh. whenever we have nuts on here with an entire body of living ice that he can reshape into blades, mm. and I mean, oh, hello, and he's a robot? I mean, <laughs> come on! <laughs> you know, that's that's it, that's me. That's, that's good, I'm good with that. Rather than, you know, try and run away,
away or whatever, Tails jumps on his head and tries to, you know, I don't know, wrestle him or grapple with him in some capacity. I mean, yes, he's saying things like, leave them alone, you big bully, at the same time. But he's still taking an active hand. Yeah. Mm. But that's on brand for Tails. You know, he's not the wittiest chap. Well, depends who's writing it, to be honest. I can't really imagine a kitching-written Tails calling someone a big bully. Mm. And yet, there is still this element I love on the previous page, when he's confronted with Nuts and Bolt for the first time, and he goes, sorry, who's this? I can't see anything with these sunglasses on. He's he's been going around with these sunglasses glasses on as part of his cool dude costume his terminator sunglasses on top of his blade runner (laughs) mac yeah and that's just a joke that i don't i don't know i don't feel like we haven't had that kind of thing out of tails's mouth for miles before which is a favorite for you guys the tails night stuff or the zone runner stuff I know you don't, you're not massively big fans of either, but which one yeah, would you yeah. prefer over one over the other? I definitely prefer the night stuff. You know, I would have said the night stuff, but for these mm-hmm. last two issues, which have actually been great yeah. crack. These last two issues, I prefer to the night issues. I yeah. agree with that completely. It's just fundamentally the... It's taken two whole series, and you know we're right near the end of this one, I assume. Mm. That's how long it's taken me to give a damn about these random sheep that we've been having yeah. to have a Blade Runner with. And it's like, I don't, I don't know what the... I don't know why it felt like a good idea, but it's emerged as one, I guess. Yeah, in the the Nameless Stone stuff, the night stuff, just as somebody who's not a big fan of like epic fantasy anyway, so it's got that working against it for me, but yeah. it, it is also just the sheer strangeness of it. Mm. Of, of of having tales come from a medieval fantasy land of goblins and demons and ogres <laughs> weird, yeah. uh, versus this where it's at least set on Mobius and he's he's accidentally yeah. wandered into another you know just another zone where the, which has its own old thing going on even though it's weighed down by it feeling more like a sort of trial strip for Isles's original characters um, mm. but, but which has then you know pulled itself around here in these last few bits you know isn't it funny. The same thing sort of happened with Wonder Boy, where it took multiple series of Wonder Boy, yeah. and then right at the end, we were like, oh, this is all right. Same writer, too. Yeah. You, exactly, yeah. And of course, that strip was the one that became about dinosaurs and ghosts instead of trying to fight through an epic yeah. fantasy land of demons and, and stuff. Yeah, so it's like he starts off going like, I'm just going to do this trope. And then by the end, he's figured something out of his own, and he's, he's gone off, and I like that. Maybe epic fantasy is just rubbish, and I'm right, and you should all listen to me. this is an unusual advert we've had a lot of adverts in stc normally it's just provided by somebody and they just print it in stc and that's what's happened here but it is very on theme this one yep this is an ad for milky way the chocolate bar wait Wait, because we've got a different one yes, to some of our was, listeners, that's haven't exactly we? Yes. What I was just thinking, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, what we call a Milky Way here in the UK is what Americans are close to, what Americans would recognise as a Three Musketeers bar. Ah. That's what, what you call a Milky Way bar is what we would call a Mars bar. And I don't know what you have as Mars bars, and if you, if you have those. Mars bar is like a Snickers without the peanuts. Yeah, which is what an American Milky Way is. Whereas our Milky Way bars, which this is an advert for, is more like a... Um, Just that creamy nougat centre and chocolate, and that's all. I'm having a problem at the moment based around not currently owning any Mars bars or Milky Ways. I think we're going to have to quickly move oh, on just to with describing Mar- the oh, okay. <laughs> Yes, I could go for one myself. I'm having an issue with not consuming these chocolate bars right now. Well, Dave, sing us the Milky Way red car and blue car song. Uh, the red car and the blue car had a race. Um, all red, red wants, wants to, to do, do is stuff his face. face. 
That's all I can give you. Oh, really? You're really letting me down, Div. <laughs> he eats everything he sees, from trucks to deadly trees. But smart old Blue, he chose the Milky Way. There you go. The red car and the blue car had to race. All Red wants to do is stuff his face. He eats everything he sees, from trucks to prickly trees. But smart old Blue, he took the Milky Way. He's looking for a chocolate treat, fluffy and light. Cause he knows it won't spoil his appetite. I'm sure later on they took out the bit about spoiling the appetite. Yeah, but they stopped doing that with Milky Ways, yeah. We shouldn't encourage kids to eat chocolate before they did. (laughs) That stopped being the line. Anyway, I saw the star on the top of this advert, which is titled Winning Ways, instantly win one of 100 Sega Mega Drives and 500 Sonic & Knuckles games. And I thought it was going to be an ad for uh, Milky Way Magic Stars. Mm. But those probably didn't exist yet, did they? Oh, they must have. Surely. Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they were. But what I've never noticed before is that, yes, I never realised there is a star on the Milky Way wrapper, and that is apparently part of the logo for the Milky Way bar. So that was also stars were always... It's a, it's a cool spot situation. <laughs> yeah, well, the, I mean, I was always a little confused by magic stars because they're just chocolate. There's nothing Milky Way about them. They're just chocolate. Well, exactly. Well, now we know what it is. It's that stars are a Milky Way thing. Yeah, but it still seemed dishonest to me. <laughs> I wanted to bite into those little bastards and there'd be Milky Way oh. stuff inside them. Oh no, that would be brilliant. I know. I'd love little stars of that. So, uh, what it actually is, is, well, it's almost, it's a sort of comic strip almost. Um, yeah, sort of. Yeah, uh, where. And it's profoundly Sonic themed. That's yes, the key that's thing. That's the here. key thing here. Yes, yeah, so Winning Ways, it's Sonic running along next to. A, a red star which they're treating as if it's like the milky way mascot almost as if it was yeah. a character unto itself he and the star have to it's got that it's that same picture as used for the tattoo of sonic mm-hmm. foot up arms back getting ready to run yeah help us race down to the shops and then there's a small two panel maze, Little maze that you have to navigate which has a robotnik in it and a knuckles in it you buy one and they've got this special like bespoke sonic and knuckles wrappers apparently this contest had yeah. the milky way. look inside and and maybe you'll win uh, one of 100 of these. And there's a picture of a Mega Drive. So yeah, it's just uh, inside the wrapper. Mm. And then the star holds up the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge and says, or maybe you'll win one of 500 of these. And it's Sonic and Knuckles. What fantastic prizes. Mega Drive 2 mm. and Sonic yeah. and Knuckles. Absolutely, yes, please. And, and this, by the way, if you want to attract my attention to an advert, this is how you do it. You make it a Sonic comic. Yeah. In yeah. a Sonic comic, throw that in. Yeah, I mean, it's... There's no mistaking it for a page of the real comic. It's definitely an advert and it's all drawn in a different way and everything. But, yep, I'm, my, my, you've got my attention. I'm just re- I'm reading the small print. Mm. No purchase necessary entry route. Send name, address and telephone number to Milky Way Sega Promotion, P.O. Box 123, Uckfield, East Sussex. And we'll check a Milky Way wrapper on your behalf. Oh. <laughs> That's oh. trustworthy. We'll let you know within 14 days of receipt if you've won. <laughs> that's that's very trusted. Yeah. Oh, uh, you haven't won. No. <laughs> Checked wrappers will not be sent to you. <laughs> that is mm. so suspect. Right. So what you're what you're able to do there is you're able to pay a pittance to make someone eat a Milky Way. <laughs> no purchase necessary. <laughs> 
they get it and they go, oh, thank you very much. I will. Oh. And they eat a Milky Way and that's what happens. <laughs> Graham, you've had another one. Oh, God. I've eaten, four, oh. I've eaten 400 today. Oh, all I've been able to do today is oh. stuff my face. It's a Sonic and Knuckles Q&A special, so it's almost half worth looking at this time. Hey! <laughs> I'm having trouble on the flying battery zone. Could you please supply some cheats to help? Says Ian Body of Easingwold York. And Dave Gibbon says, you might become stuck on this bit. And here's another bit you might be stuck on. And it's like, that's that's not helpful, Dave. Well, I'm sorry. Well, Ian's question was really vague. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact is the very next thing they print is one from five separate people who have write in to say they're well and truly stuck and would like a level select or some Game Genie codes. And Dave Gibbon has to say, no, sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> sorry about that. Don't, don't, don't got none. Sorry. I'm going to print the yet. question, no. but I'm empty handed. So moving <laughs> on. Yeah, weird. Someone points out here, well, a few people, Ben Duncan and co, point out that in STC44's Sonic & Knuckles special, they just forgot to say how to do the second boss in Act 2 of the Lava Reef Zone. They just must have forgotten and just left that off. I don't really think this was anybody sending in because they desperately needed the solution. It's just no. that they were like, hey, hey, excuse me, you, you left something out, hey. <laughs> Similarly, Jack Montgomery from Edinburgh has uh, written in to make the observation that we did, <laughs> which yes. is that there's no way David Gibbon got to the Doomsday Zone. <laughs> he said, after reading the instruction manual to Sonic and Knuckles, he noticed it mentioned an extra level called the Doomsday Zone. Why was it not shown in the Q-Zone special? And Dave Gibbon attempts to defend himself by saying <laughs> that it's extremely difficult to get you. First, you need to plug Sonic 3 into Sonic and Knuckles. Then you need to complete it with all the emeralds. And thirdly, get through Sonic and Knuckles with all the emeralds to finally reach the Doomsday Zone. Which, um, I think is what has left me with the confusion that I expressed yes. back at the original time all these years later where I sometimes think that you have to have them all plugged together to get to the Doomsday me Zone which too. isn't true no you can get to the Doomsday Zone it's its just there in Sonic and Knuckles by itself if you get all the emeralds yeah and then Adam Robinson, care oh. of the Sergeant's Mess from the RAF oh, wow. base in Larbrook. Arrogant little bastard, Adam Robinson from the Sergeant's Mess. <laughs> I read the review of Sonic and Knuckles, <laughs> and you said there's no save game option. There isn't, mate. However... There's a, there's a fierce Nam Rude energy coming off your read here. <laughs> Livid. However... I have found a way of doing this. First, play Sonic 3 into Sonic and Knuckles, complete the game, and then you'll start to play Sonic and Knuckles. You get the opportunity to use a save game option. Shows how much the experts know, you <laughs> little sh- And uh, as we remember, Adam Robinson grew up to be the shopkeeper in uh, Star Fox Adventures. He used to say, no, that's too loud. No, that's too loud. <laughs> he is I've got a, this is the state of this lad I've got a great <laughs> cheat that you didn't mention just complete another game <laughs> I hate him I hate him arrogant conceited little <laughs> Dave Gibbon defends himself quite rightly so by saying alright clever clogs you may have found a way of saving your position but I stand by what I said there is no save option in Sonic and Knuckles he's right and he's right there he's isn't. absolutely right shut up you little prick Captain Plunder and his Sky Pirates Part 4 Written and drawn by Nigel Kitchen with letters by Elliot Afell Plunder and Simpson escape into the sewers beneath the prison While at the same time Plunder's crew enters the sewers from the opposite direction 
The two groups miss each other in the darkness. So when Plunder returns to his mystic cave hideout, he's puzzled to find his crew's missing until Filch arrives to explain they were all captured trying to rescue him. Plunder contemplates going to the rescue, but when he realizes that means he'll have to share his treasure, he decides to go out and get a new crew instead. So this is the end of Captain Plunder. Yeah. So Captain Plunder was kind of about nothing, wasn't it? And that's not really a criticism. It's been tremendous fun. But I got to the end and I was like, well, what was the point of that? That's all I want comics to be, as you know. I just <laughs> want them to be a load of old nonsense. So this suits me down to the grounds. Just some mucking about and some fun. But it's like we were talking about last time. This is a guy who's a cartoonist writing his own comic. He doesn't have to make any sense to anyone else anymore. He can just come up with something that he'll enjoy drawing and that he knows will be good when he does. And it is. <laughs> it's a little odd that this is was specifically, we were told, this takes place before his ah. appearance in the Sandopolis zone. And he's just lost his crew at the end of this, but he got a new crew by the time he was in the Sandopolis zone. Yeah, well, I'm sure he just went down the... He will have gone down the inn. Won't he? Down the tavern. But the main body of this is Simpson doing stuff, isn't it? This yeah, is... it's like two solid pages of the five is Simpson doing cartoon stuff. physics cartoon stuff. stuff. Yeah, they're in the dark and they can't see, so Simpson thinks about the problem, gets an idea, Bing! and he takes the light bulb that appears over his head and he turns it on, and then he's walking around with that. We hate it when he does things like that. Not knowing that it's their friends. You know, when they see the light coming around the corner, Captain Plunder is like, oh, quick, quick, buffoon, put out that light. So he swallows the light bulb, but now his eyes are torches. Yeah, the light's coming out his eyes, and he's trying yeah, to... Yeah, all cartoon stuff happens. And Plunder just punches him in the stomach and breaks the light bulb in his gut, and that's what turns the light off. I enjoy the British humour that they throw at this one, and it's a nice example of, if you get the joke, great. If you don't, it's not present enough for you to worry about it which is where the the newspapers are covering the disappearance of plunder yeah. yes and and the mob is leading with sonic the hedgehog ate my hamster <laughs> which is a very british joke of the 90s it is. i i applaud yeah it's like i um, i don't want to say like i got it but i knew the joke yeah it was you just know, a, it was a then... set of words that people used to yeah. say like the to me it was a Spectrum game, Rockstar Ate My Hamster, was mm. my first exposure to that. Which is a riff we should tell everybody off of a sensationalist tabloid headline from the 1980s that, that claimed Freddy Star ate my hamster, which claimed he'd eaten someone's hamster. Yep. And it was... Yep. Yeah. That's just, it just became... It sort of became like the ultimate sensationalist tabloid nonsense that yeah. it's, it's almost still today. Yeah, yeah. It was the sun and it was like completely discredited like i don't think anyone ever believed it happened at all mm -hmm. it was just a, a really front and center example of like the newspaper says this thing that we know isn't true and is nonsense kind of be nice if that's how it still worked today but but it didn't like uh, dog him negatively you know no. throughout his career it, it had a positive effect put his <laughs> name in back in the limelight um it's just jokes, isn't it? It's just some jokes. <laughs> <laughs> once, ag once again, yeah, it's... It's nice, I like it. It's good, it's lots of good fun. Not trying to be critical of it, but I am left with a slightly puzzled feeling at the end of the strip where I do ask myself, what what was that about then? Especially, I mean, this is this is the end of it, and it's like, especially if this was supposed to be before the Sandopolis Zone, um, which means Simpson was a part of his crew then, but then wasn't in that story. Oh, there's a point. Well, I mean, the, the whole crew was back on the ship. So it's okay. Like that's just where Simpson was. 
but yeah, I guess. Yeah, and it would have also been weird to have Simpson be in the strip before being introduced in this. But yes, it's odd to know that as Sonic and Knuckles was going on, this guy was mucking about in the background. Yeah, it's weird, <laughs> right? <laughs> we got a letter here from Oliver Burley from Exeter, who writes in to say the data strip at the back of each issue is stupid. STC uh. collectors like me are unlikely to cut their issues up, so why don't you have a pull-out section in the middle of the comic? Yeah. And Megadroid suggests that, as some avid STC collectors do, to take a photocopy. Which is a simple solution. Uh, I wouldn't have sent Ollie a water fun game. <laughs> Too much of a misery, eh? Do you ever send a data strip in, Tom? Do you know what? I, I sent in drawings a lot. I probably did send in a data strip. Mm. Photocopy or cut out? Oh, I cut it out. Because I'm, oh. I'm one of the monsters. Oh. One of the monsters that Jesus. Oliver Burley would resent. Hang on a minute. Have we perhaps solved the question of why your comics don't have covers? <laughs> you just rip them off. Tear off the thing. Maybe you send <laughs> them all tear off the strip. <laughs> I just, when I finish the page, I rip it apart. So my eyes cannot see it again. That's where I'm going wrong. That's where I'm that going is. wrong. I probably did send in a date. See, that's why you got banned from the library. <laughs> it was that and and the violence. But mainly <laughs> the ripping out of pages in books. Simon Hilliard of High Southampton sent in a drawing. Uh, <laughs> of Rubbish! Of, Rubbish! <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say an Elvis Sonic, right? Yeah, is this an Elvis Sonic? I think that's what it's going for. Because it's all dressed in white. He's yeah. got his electric guitar. Um, there is a quiff, but because it follows the round shape of his head, it just kind of looks like uh, more of a Tony Blackburn than anything else. <laughs> but this is a celebration of this issue because it says the big 50, the big 50. Maybe there yeah. were, was it 50 years since that style of rock and roll was about? I guess it probably was. That's, yeah, you don't imagine that he specifically drew the picture for the 50th issue. Well, so he must have. He's written the big 50 all over it. Yeah, but maybe he was doing something else. Maybe he drew this <laughs> for his dad's 50th birthday. Oh, that's possible, I suppose. And you know what? That's even worse. If he's done it for something else and still ER, do you want that? Yeah, we'll print that, definitely. <laughs> that just makes me angrier. That just makes me angrier. And uh, uh, Simon has written words around it, like funky, rad, cool, and jazzy. And jazzy. They are all, there's a lot of wiggly lines around them. They're all having a big wiggle. We've got another letter in the middle from Drew Aldridge of Lexington Park, Maryland, USA. Yes, USA. Hello, we got an artist. <laughs> Where is Sally in this cartoon? <laughs> During my holiday in England, says Drew, I noticed... That I, the... I, I actually call shenanigans on this letter altogether. Because Do you? If an, an American wouldn't say, During my holiday... Oh, you're right. They'd say during vacation, while on vacation. Yeah, but it's been copy edited so that we would understand it. So that's that's true. Yeah, yeah, they could have edited it down, yeah. During my holiday stroke vacation in England, I noticed that the Sega Activator is not available for sale. It's a circle that you stand in and any movements made are mimicked by a player on screen. Well, sort of. Yeah, there's a reason it wasn't on sale here, Drew. It was utter bobbins. <laughs> However, one thing I took back with me to America which impressed all my pals was a copy of Sonic the Comic. Oh, glad to hear it. Yes, Megadroid replies, Yes, I too find it frustrating living in a backward backwater, but as you say, at least it's ahead of the times when it comes to a jolly good read. You're both right there, both Drew and Megadroid. Quite right. Great picture here from Jamie Dickle from Renfrewshire, uh, who has drawn a funky droid, as the caption says. It's just Knuckles, but instead of his head, he's got <laughs> Megadroid's head. Head! Complete with dreadlocks. That's their caption, though. 
Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, was he was Megadroid just tired as he was putting this together? Well, I need a caption for this picture. Oh, funky droid. Yeah, no, it yeah. doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't really yeah, mean anything, does it? Especially funky, funky about it. No, no, nothing particularly funky about Unless it. Unless they're trying to lean on the dreadlock thing again. Uh, I guess. Or maybe lean on the funky picture from Simon because that's the second time the word funky has appeared on this page. Yeah, it could be. Or, or it could it be that just as the editor was typing, they just looked over there and saw it and just accidentally put the word they saw. Because that happens, right? We've all done that. Still, I just love it when the kids, they draw Megadroid. And by the way, as we all know, hashtag Knuckles Knuckles is pink. Pink, pink. In this drawing. Final letter, Super Sonnet is the title. Dear Megadroid, I would like to thank you for the free Valentine's card on STC45. I gave it to a girl in my class called Sabby who liked it so much, she agreed to go out with me. I couldn't have done it without you. Anthony Mark, foreign, Enfield, Middlesex. Uh, more sex now, apparently. Mega Drive owner, <laughs> Sonic Water Fun game winner. Yeah, I feel like you made him sound too dweeby there. This is apparently a Lothario <laughs> who just... Not only is it a Sonic Valentine's card, right? It was a bad-looking one. And... <laughs> Didn't even have anything written on the inside of it. <laughs> well, he must have written something very nice in it. He must have done. This guy... <laughs> this, well, this is what I'm saying. It was who gave it to Sammy that Sammy was going for. It was nothing to do with the card. So well done to Anthony Mark Foran, uh, a Casanova of our time. <laughs> well, Megadroid's response is, who needs Megacilla when you can have a Laura Laura dits with STC? <laughs> what absolute gibberish. <laughs> Scylla was the, the host of a dating game show here in the UK. Yeah, Scylla Black. I'm not sure why he felt the need to put Mega in front of her name. No, that was, like that was odd, yeah. Riffing Mega on Scylla. himself, it seems like. He's riffing on Mega himself. Yeah, yeah. But, but... And he's not even thinking of, like, the, the giant kaiju Scylla Black, because that is, of course, Godzilla. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like the idea of a Mega Scylla, though. Just dominating the landscape, putting people together. <laughs> yeah. You've got to have a Laura Laura fun tonight. <laughs> Mega Scylla just marching from Liverpool dock. And it isn't something that Scylla has turned into. Scylla's there as well. She turns around in the middle. The, the whole studio ceiling gets knocked through and it's Mega Scylla. <laughs> Ewan McGregor turns around and goes, there's always a bigger Scylla. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a Laura Laura bigger Scylla. <laughs> So they're all going to win some uh, water fun games. Wee. Well done, everybody. There must be so many Sonic water fun games out there. I used to have one, but I, it's been lost in the annals of oh. time. But I did have one. And it, very much like when you order fast food, like the excitement comes from the anticipation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then once it's there, you're like, oh, this is... Yeah. Well, there you go. That's That's that then. Well, that brings us to the end of this very special 50th issue, special issue, special. But uh, what's 51 and still covered in tattoos? <laughs> still banging that drum. Why, it's STC's next issue. More free gifts plus tales, the teal end. And we have a little picture, I think it's from this very strip, in fact, of Tails and his Zone Runner Specs and Mac, and it's not very interesting to look at at all. <laughs> New series, Sonic's World's back with uh, Brotherly Loathe. See what that's about. A Shinobi pinup. 
Oh, one for the boys. <laughs> Our brave men and women fighting abroad. <laughs> uh, I, ne- I never read the Shinobi comic myself. Just like looking at the pictures. Sonic <laughs> disaster strikes. I buy it for the news zone. <laughs> Shinobi battling on an Earthworm Jim Q-Zone special, STC 51. It'll leave its mark on sale Saturday the 29th of April, 1995. It's still, still, still only £1.15. Mm. Well, that was issue 50, Tom. What did you think? Uh, it was a wonderful trip back. A gas, this was. <laughs> I would say this was. It was a GAS. Gents, this was a gas. Gold and silver. Gold and silver. <laughs> nah, it's, you know what? This this whole comic book is, is such a massive part of my childhood. Yeah. And just... It's been lovely to get to know you guys properly since I did the documentary and find like-minded friends who were yes. just who were as, as in, entrenched in Sonic the Comic as I was. It it fills my. Oh. It, I know for a fact that that how old I've been in '95. I'd have been eleven. So eleven-year-old me, mm-hmm. if I'd be able to tell him, "Hey, look, hang tight because in a couple of decades' time, this we're all, we're going to come back here." Yeah. And we're going to have a lovely time and it'll be via a computer <laughs> and we'll talk about a robot Silla Black. Yeah, we'll be talking <laughs> via video phone. Yeah, he would it would have every part of that would have blown his mind. So, honestly, you guys for letting me come and gate crash the 50th. <laughs> it's it's meant a lot. Thank you very much for letting me be a part of your your wonderful production. Thank you very yeah. much for coming on, Tom. Well, when you're looking for the next issue or if you want to go back and listen to the last 50 50 50, Dave. It's ridiculous that we've done no. 50 of these at this point. Plus we're some. Ridges. Plus change. Plus, plus. I know. I know. You'll find them all wherever good podcasts are available, or you can download them directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com. Or you can follow the podcast on Twitter. It is at Sonic Podcast. Uh, sorry, Tom, we got that one first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Darn you! <laughs> but you can follow us uh, individually as well. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave, and you'll find me on that name on YouTube and Twitch as well. Yeah, I am at Chris McFeely, and you'll also find me on YouTube. I'm at Tom Campbell, and confusingly, A History of Sonic the Hedgehog, my five-part series on everything to do with the video games, the cartoons, the comic books, and the fans, and more, can be found at sonicpodcast.com. Sorry I got that last. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're battling one another, and what we've chosen to do is team up instead. (laughs) Because we were on that... I've listened to all of it, not just the bit we were on. I would say it is basically definitive. You should all go... If you if you enjoy this podcast, you'll enjoy that podcast. Bless you, thank you. I had a lovely time making it, so it's nice. To, and it's nice to meet a wonderful people. Like, in this process of doing that podcast, I had a lovely chat with Nigel Kitching, mm-hmm. who we speak very fondly of on here. Uh, there is a, a very interesting interview, and he's a bit of a, a lightning rod of controversy, but I had a big, long sit-down with Ken Penders yeah. from the Archie Sonic comics. and Fascinating uh, recording, that is. Really interesting interesting guy he is and uh, we spoke to jim cummings who was the voice yeah. of dr robotnik in in sonic sat am which we've spoken very highly of here mm. <laughs> i mean he's good he's always yeah. good. he's always oh jim cummings is an absolute treasure uh, and it's just loads of other great people friends and fans of sonic the hedgehog from all walks of life including your good selves uh, so if you want like a good five hours beefy deep dive into sonic the brand then i would highly recommend checking out uh, that's a bit arrogant, but uh, <laughs> sonicpodcast.com. No, no we recommend it as well. Yes, You're we e- I'll even allow just this once. 
I'll even allow you to mention your wrestling content if you wish. Oh, bless you. <laughs> um, I work for a YouTube channel called Cultaholic. Uh, it's wrestling news and reviews and that sort of thing. If you're a wrestling geek, you can find us on YouTube and on Twitter. Just search Cultaholic. I live there talking about grown men in their underpants pretending to hit each other. It's a living. <laughs> Once you're done checking out Tom's many hours of content, if you'd like a little more of us, you can get it by supporting the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash stctp, where we do bonus episodes looking at things like the Martin Adams Sonic novels and Dave's, ooh, at this point, absolutely brutal teenage <laughs> fan fiction. Oh, it's so far off the rails, guys. Oh. We are at the point now where the original characters do not steal have come in and turned out to be the subjects of worship by people from Mobius. If I had known I was going to have to listen to this, I wouldn't have agreed to it. <laughs> I mean, literal religious worship. Like, there are religions built around my OCs in this story. I'd like to build a religion around our editor, Sam Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> this felt like a good transition. <laughs> you can find his stuff at samgabrielvo.com. And I would like to teach the world to sing using our theme song, which is called Synchronize by Sonic the Comic the Band. Yes, they're called that. We didn't make it up. They were called that for many years before we started this podcast and you can find them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com but we have been Sonic the Comic the podcast and we will see you next, next time, time. maybe epic fantasy is just rubbish and I'm right and you should all listen to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, epic fantasy is rubbish you should all listen to me and blah. <laughs> look um, at each other and go, blah, look at the camera and go, blah. <laughs> <laughs>